This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. speech, right? Uh, I think everybody, though, recognizes that there are some reasonable limits that need to come with free speech from time to time, particularly when we're talking about uh, the uh, private sector, particularly when we're talking about private businesses. Obviously, I think a lot of people realize that the First Amendment says that there should be No government prohibition on freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom of association or freedom of religion and so forth. I think a lot of folks know that that's the case. Where does it go on a private sector level? Because when we talk about these big tech companies who I have been very critical of, they are not bound by the First Amendment because they are not government. These are private businesses. Twitter, Facebook, and the like. And it is interesting to see the reaction to Kanye West. Kanye West is a a billionaire, I believe. He used to be married to Kim Kardashian, who a lot of people in our audience think should be president. And uh, he is a, a very talented musician, no question about it. He's also somebody that I believe has some sort of uh, issues, as maybe some sort of mental illness. And I think that um, I think that it's uh, – I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb uh, by saying that. So last week, he does the – he ran for president, of course, last year or uh, it, last time around in the year 2020, was not on the ballot in enough states to win. That was after he had um, endorsed Donald Trump with a big – Uh, Make America Great Again hat. He seems like a big Trump supporter. And then he decides he wants to run for president himself. The name of his political party was the birthday party, if you'll recall, because he said when he got elected, it would be like it was everyone's birthday. Last week, he goes on Tucker Carlson's show, Mm -hmm. does a whole big interview on Tucker. He is uh, welcomed by the likely new owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, onto their platform. And then... And this is somebody that has a, a, a long history of saying things on social media and elsewhere that have been incendiary from time to time. Well, now Instagram and Twitter have both restricted the account of uh, – I'm just going to call him Kanye West. I realize he now calls himself Yee, um, but he's the rapper formerly known as Kanye West. Remember like uh, when Prince became a symbol? He was the artist formerly known as Prince. Yee is the rapper formerly known as Kanye West. Just for economy of words and for ease of going through this whole thing, I'm going to keep calling him Kanye. So Twitter confirmed on Monday that the company has locked the account 
for violating Twitter's policies. A spokesperson would not comment on how long the restrictions would be in place. Meta, which owns Instagram, they're also the parent company of Facebook, they said that they removed content that violated their policies, which posts were responsible for the restrictions. Now, um, Kanye responded to the Instagram restrictions with a now-deleted tweet writing. This is what he said. I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, capitals. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. On Friday, Kanye posted screenshots that appeared to be text exchanges with uh, P. Diddy, in which Kanye told him, I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me. I told you this was war. The post has since been taken down from his Instagram account. The wave of Kanye news is coming off of his recent appearance at uh, Paris Fashion Week, where he wore a T-shirt that said, White Lives Matter. According to the Anti-Defamation League, that phrase first appeared in 2015 as a racist response to the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, a couple of things here. I don't have an issue with Kanye West or anybody else wearing a T-shirt that says, White Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. I think that's a that's a little silly uh, from my point of view for anybody, including the Anti-Defamation League, to make an issue of him saying this. I think if anybody's going to say that the phrase Black Lives Matter is okay, the phrase White Lives Matters should be okay, too. Um, as far as Kanye's tweet goes, where he says he's going to DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, it's clear to me that it is anti-Semitic. It's clear to me that he is taking issue with Jewish people. Uh, One, I have a question for you, though. If you're like me, somebody that believes in free speech, somebody that believes that even in the private sector uh, town square, and let's face it, social media companies really are the town square these days, Should he have his account suspended for tweeting this? Why or why not? And how do you um, how do you reconcile the belief in free speech with the desire to muzzle Kanye when he says something against Jewish people? I guess the easy answer is that, okay, free speech is okay in most cases for social media companies, but you have to draw the line at hate speech. Because, believe it or not, I have to make these decisions all the time. As an administrator of our tiny little Facebook group, which doesn't have 3 million or 300 million or 3 billion social media users, it's just 3,000, there's all sorts of instances every day where I have to make the determination, oh, is that a personal threat? Is that relevant? Is that something that's hate speech? And you hope you're making the right decision and and you hope that you're making decisions that are conducive to improving free speech and not uh, and not hindering free speech. But I'm curious if you think people like Kanye or just people in general should have a right on social media to use phrases like this. Why or why not? 
uh, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Additionally, um, you know, Kanye is, in some respects, a very bright guy. You do not get to become a self-made billionaire without some intelligence. In other respects, Kanye West is just a total and complete buffoon. And for starters, I think the phrase that he means is DEFCON 3, not DEFCON 3. So when we use the phrase DEFCON 3, that is basically picking up on the Pentagon's um, classification for strategic readiness. There's Defense Condition 5, Defense Condition 4, Defense Condition 3, Defense Condition 2, and Defense Condition 1. But when you use the terms DEFCON, that's short for death, that's short for defense condition. So I think what Kanye meant to do there is he meant to use the terms DEFCON, not DEFCON. Three, it's clear that he was going after Jewish people both in his conversations with P. Diddy, which he chose to uh, display, and in this tweet where he uses the capital letters Jewish people. for And this is really a question for all of the anti-Semites in our audience, the folks like uh, Joe in the Bronx, the folks like Richard in Parsippany. I know there's a whole bunch of folks that believe Jews control the media. It's not true. And you notice, I, I always wonder, why is it always the Jews that get blamed, right? You, you, you think the Jews are a relatively small percentage of the world population, but it seems again and again throughout history, it's always the Jews that are, that are scapegoated for whatever's wrong with the world. In this case, it's I don't even know what Kanye West was blaming them for. I guess he was upset that uh, people didn't like his White Lives Matter shirt. But um, if Kanye West is able to continue to be a billionaire record producer, clothing manufacturer, recording artist, etc., if he's able to still keep making millions and have his music listened to by millions and have his music uh, videos watched by millions, will this finally convince you that Kanye West, uh, excuse me, that the Jews really don't control the media. And if not that, what would convince you that the Jews don't control the media? Uh, 800-848-9222. And lastly, so we've got, it doesn't seem right to pose a question to my anti-Semites in the audience without also posing a question to our Jewish listeners. If you like Kanye West's music, and I happen to, um, if you like his music, will this cause you to not listen to it? Why or why not? So those are those are the questions that I'm I'm curious about your reaction to. If you're a free speech proponent, where do you draw the line in terms of prohibiting someone like Kanye West from making remarks like this about Jews? Where is the line? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Two, if you're uh, an anti-Semite and Kanye West is continuing to be able to sell millions of records after making these remarks about Jews, will that finally prove to you that Jews don't control the media? And three, if you're Jewish, will this cause you to stop buying Kanye's records? 
I also wonder what prompted this. I really just think that uh, – and I think – you know, who knows with celebrity couples how much is accurate that's reported. But there were all sorts of reports that uh, that um, maybe Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's marriage suffered because of issues related to um, his bipolar disorder. And I, and I think he's been very open about the fact that he does suffer with bipolar disorder. I'm wondering if this is another manifestation of that. And I also wonder if if Kanye West does try to run for president again, is this going to hurt him? And what do you think? Uh, weigh in on any of those questions you like. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me begin with... Uh, John in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hi, and uh, I must say, Frank, that I will agree with uh, Mark Levin. Uh, there should be zero, zero tolerance for Kanye West's anti-Semitic remarks. However, before I go there, I will agree with Kanye for what he did last week in having his White Lives Matter t-shirts, because it's not White Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. And I'm glad there he went after Black Lives Matter, but he should have stopped right then and there. All right. Well, so since he didn't, was it appropriate for these big tech companies to suspend his account? You know, I, 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 I have some mixed feelings about it because uh, I will say publicly that Twitter has suspended me because I had the audacity to tell an organization to sue the Brooklyn Book Festival. And, well, they, and they did not appreciate my suggesting it, even though that organization did declare on its website that it would sue those organizations that promote critical race theory. Very interesting, John. Thank you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Lenny is in Beth Page. Hello, Lenny. Hey, Frank. What I understand is, you know, blacks make up 13% of the population, commit 52% of the murders, and yet we don't get that. Like, how do you not get that? Well, who's the we that doesn't get it? Well... When you look at when you look at the the news media and this and that, they're like they never say who the perpetrator is. Well, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's accurate. But let's say it is accurate. accurate. They say, okay. Oh yeah, the hoodie. Yeah, this and that. They never say black. They never say white. And they should because you know what? It is what it is. All right. And so let's say you're right about that. Then so what? What does well, that mean? I am mean? right about that. Okay, okay. So great. So then, what does that mean? What that means is we have to put people in jail. We have to put people not not bail released and this and that. And and the Republicans. But what what is, what is putting people in jail have to do with Twitter and Facebook and what Kanye West is saying? Well, Kanye West says, "Look, who really care? Do you really care?" Yes, that's why I'm talking about it. That's why you called in about it. Yeah, no, but Kanye West. You know what? We need to elect. Think about New York, New York State. Where where are we going here? This state 
We tax, right? I'm paying 16 grand of taxes. All right. Where, where are we going with this phone call is a better question. Uh, Lenny, that is a, you know, sometimes I get convinced that people just like to call in to um, hear themselves talk. And I, I think, and look, hey, I can relate to that. I'm a guy that clearly loves the sound of my own voice. I could take a story that should be 40 seconds and turn it into 45 minutes. I've done that before. I've gotten a lot of complaints from you guys on that. Uh, but uh, still, it's just, I just, he was testing my patience there. 800-848-9222. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Hi, how are you? I just want to say about three people care, three billion people care what he has to say, first of all. Second of all, if I said that or if you said that, you'd be off the air. I would be fired. Something needs to happen to him. He should not be allowed to pinpoint Jewish people. Well, so he has his account. His account has been suspended. Do you think there needs to be broader uh, repercussions? Do you think he needs to be canceled more broadly? Yes, I something. Yes, because look at Roseanne. Look at all the people on TV. They say one little thing wrong about any race or creed, they're fired. Yeah. So you think reporters are getting fired for saying certain words? They get fired. Yeah. You'd be fired for that. If you said that about the Jews, you know as well as I do, your boss would call you immediately. You're terminated. Yeah, I, I'm trying to th- – I, I, like, it's difficult for me to imagine – first of all, I don't even understand 100% what Kanye West was was threatening. I mean, it's clear he was going after the Jews, so I'm trying to put myself in the frame of mind where I would say, I'm going to DEFCON 3 against the Chinese, right? Or I'm going to DEFCON 3 against the Haitians, right? I don't even know necessarily what, what, he, what, what he meant to say. What does that mean? Does that mean he's no longer going to work with the Jews? And why DEFCON 3 as opposed to 1, 2, or 5? Now, as I said, the danger in overanalyzing some of Kanye West's remarks is that, again, I hate to say it this way because I don't want to make light of mental illness, but it's clear to me that Kanye West is a little crazy. I mean, he's got a long history of doing and saying crazy things like this. We, we don't got it like that. When I tell you only seven black billionaires, look at that marginalization. And we feel like we happy because me and Rick Ross got a Maybach. Or I got a sprint outside or a couple of us or they put a black president. Man, let me tell you something about George Bush and oil money and Obama and no money. People want to say Obama can't make these moves or he's not executing. That's because he ain't got those connections. Black people don't have the same level of connections as Jewish people. Black people don't have the same connection as as oil people. You know we don't know nobody that got a nice house. You know we don't know nobody with paper like that we could go to when we down. You know that could just put us back or put us in a corporation. You know we ain't in a situation. Can you guarantee that your daughter could get a, a job at this radio station? But if you own this radio station, you could guarantee that. That's what I'm so that was nine years ago. And the reason I played that is because uh, Kanye said black people don't have the connections that Jews do. And it's clear this is a pattern with Kanye West. He's got a real problem with Jews. And or, or even, if, if, even if he doesn't have a problem with Jews, he has a belief that there's all these connections in the entertainment business that Jewish people have. That Blackstone have, even though he's been able to do fine. He's a billionaire and got to marry Kim Kardashian, which might be even worth more than a billion dollars. But um, so I, I'm wondering if maybe this is less about mental illness and more about 
a genuine problem that he has with Jews. But what's interesting to me is I played that clip from nine years ago. That clip's from nine years ago. In the last nine years, Kanye has been able to marry Kim Kardashian, uh, sell hundreds of millions of dollars worth of records, have a Instagram and Twitter following of tens of millions of people, run for president, be on the ballot in multiple states, be welcomed at the Trump White House, Trump whose son-in-law and grandchildren are Jewish, welcomed him to the White House after that. So the point is, it's not a Trump thing or a whoever thing. Society forgave Kanye after that. They got over it. I'm wondering if they're going to get over this. Or is this something that's going to stick with him? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Chris is in Mount Vernon. What do you think, Chris? Hey, Frank. Hello? Yeah, Chris, what's on your mind? Yeah, hey, Frank. Yeah, so I, I think that the, the I think the only thing that the censorship does is, well, what's it going to do? If people think if you censor everybody that has a, a harsh feeling about something, that the, that all these all these feel, all these people like don't feel that way anymore. You're gonna they're just gonna keep it all inside. It's all gonna be hidden. And by the way, Kanye West, yes, there he does have something wrong with him. Like look what he did on the stage. He went and snatched the microphone off that girl for um, I forgot who it was. Right, Taylor uh, Swift. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. But just I, I want to focus on the first thing that you said there, Chris, because this is where. I really struggle, right? I despise censorship, even if it's private sector, non-governmental censorship. I like um, my general philosophy is that people should be able to say what they want. And if you don't like what someone says, don't read it. Now, I don't know if that extends to classic anti-Semitism like what Kanye West is saying. Should you be able to, and it sounds like I think maybe you're saying that you should be able to, even if you don't agree with the content, should you be able to say, I'm going to DEFCON 3 against Jews on social media? Should you be able to say that? And should they let you say that? Absolutely. I really, you know, say it. And then if people don't want to follow you anymore, then you'll know that, that, you know, maybe he'll get a feeling of, what he's saying is wrong, but if you keep like people, what do these people think? You can just keep keep censoring people, and all this stuff is just going to go away. It's just going to disappear like magic. And 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 as far as the companies is concerned, they ha- they kind of have to censor nowadays because if they don't, then they're going to look like the, com- the company that agrees with them because that's just the norm now. Well, but so I, I feel like kinda, you're saying kind of a I fe- double-edged sword. I, I, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I feel like you're saying sort of two conflicting things. You're saying on the one hand they should be able that you they should be able to leave these comments up, but on the other hand, you're saying. If the comp- if Twitter and Instagram leave these comments up, then it's like the company is endorsing them. So which is it? Should they leave the comments up or should they take them down? I think everybody should leave the comments up. They should, every, you know, it should not be like a thing. Yes, absolutely. Because you know, years ago that's the way it was. Freedom of speech. You don't now. You know who the person is to their face. You don't have, now. They're not going to go. You know, just keeping this bottled in and and talking about like 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 racism just disappears when you don't talk when you don't let them when you don't hear about it on the radio or on the TV or whatever. Yeah, no, Chris, it go away. I, it, I am it is it is. I, I am sympathetic to that. Thank you, Chris. Very thoughtful, thoughtful phone call. You have a right to free speech. You have the right to go on to the corner and say, um, you know, Jews control the entertainment industry, or I'm going to DefCon three against Jews. You don't have a right to a Twitter account. So there's no question that Twitter and Meta 
have the legal right to censor whoever they want. The question to me, and I'm no further to an answer on this, even though Chris, I feel like, tried to make a productive point there. The I'm no further to answer on should these companies do it? Should these companies allow classic anti-Semitic or – look, everything always gets so um, charged whenever you talk about anti-Semitism. Pretend it's another ethnic group. Let's say it's the French. Should he be able to say, I'm going to DEFCON 3 against the French? Uh, or, I mean, the difference, I guess, is he's reinforcing traditional anti-Semitic tropes, not traditional anti-French tropes. But uh, 800-848-9222. As I said, Kanye has a long history of saying things that are quite controversial, a little offbeat, including... George Bush doesn't care about black people. 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 Again, after he said that, he was able to make a a big comeback. Not even, I don't know if it was a comeback. He never saw a decline in his popularity. So maybe Kanye West is the first guy in society or one of the few people in society that's cancel proof. Is that the case? Is Kanye cancel proof? We'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Century, doing something mean to it, do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it, spring from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Kanye West, stop tripping, I'm tripping power. power. If you're Jewish, are you gonna stop listening to this? Because that means a big change in a lot of people's listening habits. You know, it's funny. If you look at the things that Kanye West has said, I I always get very frustrated whenever I've had uh, certain guests on this show like Pat Buchanan uh, and people always dust off some quote that Pat made from 30 years ago and uh, they portray that as, oh, he's anti-Semitic. You know, Richard Bay did that to some extent when he was here last week. He said, oh, 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 that wasn't an anti-Semitic issue. It was an anti-gay issue. Um, but people do the same thing with Ralph Nader, and I find it so unfair. I think it's a very different thing with Kanye West. Kanye West seems to genuinely believe that Jews have all sorts of magical connections that blacks don't have. Now, I would argue that uh, the wealth, fame, and power that Kanye West has been able to achieve disproves that very theory. And yet... Um, I don't see Kanye, whenever he's written about in the papers, I don't see him tagged with that label of um, anti-Semite the way Pat Buchanan and others are. And I'm wondering if that's going to change now. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Loretta is in Brooklyn. Hello, Loretta. 
Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, About this Kanye West, um, I'm getting the impression it's not necessarily about anti-Semitism per se. It may be about sensationalism. I had a family member who was bipolar. Back then, it was called uh, manic depressive. Manic depressive, right. And uh, she was on medication to keep her on an even keel. And that's great. But they miss the extreme highs. And with that comes the extreme lows. And they're off their meds. And then they're off the wall. They do things that don't make sense to the rest of us. They don't have to make sense because they're in their own world. But if he's in the throes of this thing, he's suffering. You just can't see it. And uh, in today's climate, where it's such a violent world, uh, maybe there should be some censorship because you maybe you need to take threats seriously. You don't know. With a person like this, uh, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde. I could be wrong. Well, so it sounds like you're saying that uh, these comments and other similar behavior we've seen from Kanye, it's less of an indication of hatred and it's more of an indication of um, uh, untreated or mistreated mental illness. Is that fair? It could be, yes. Um, I would love to wear a T-shirt that says, Lives Matter, Pets and People. I like, you should do that. In fact, you should market that shirt. I think that would be very popular. But Loretta, so let's say everything you say is accurate. Um, and, um, you know, it's, a, I think, a very reasonable hypothesis. Let's say everything you say is accurate. Should Kanye be able to tweet that kind of a thing on social media and, st- and not get his account suspended? I think uh, uh, whoever runs these accounts... They have to weigh uh, the dangers that they think are presented at the time. If they think it's serious enough, yes, uh, put a cap on it. Um, somebody uh, who, who's just irresponsible and up and down and all over the place, maybe they can't be trusted at that time, at that moment. You, you don't know. It's such a hard call to make. Uh, if I wore an innocent T-shirt like that, I bet you in today's climate I'd get in trouble. Because yeah. because uh, uh, everything is taken out of context. Well, and, be- and the other thing, Loretta, and thanks for the call. The other thing is people are just way too sensitive, right? So uh, now if you say anything, people will say they are triggered and this and that. And part of that is because, and we've covered this before, part of that is because of the Twitter mob. Because it used to be if um, you said something that was weird or something happened and a couple of people didn't like it, no one really knew about it. Unless those people had radio shows or TV shows or magazines or newspapers. Now, if a bunch of people are unhappy about somebody doing something, uh, they just tweet about it. And all of a sudden, that becomes a story. The the tweets of a couple of random people becomes a story. But uh, talking about Kanye West, I'm not going to make a whole show about Kanye certainly, or even the whole hour. I just um, I wrestle with this myself as a free speech warrior is what should you be able to say on social media? And I'm wondering if Kanye is cancel proof because so far he has been. So far, he still sells all sorts of records. I'm sure a lot of the people buying these records happen to be Jewish in spite of the fact that he says and does things that people may find, putting it charitably, a little unorthodox. 
Yo, Taylor. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. There you have it. Uh, 800-848-9222. Elaine is in Manhattan. Hello, Elaine. Uh, Kanye West is a Jew hater. You, all your callers keep making excuses for him. He incited violence against the minority, Jewish people, only 15 million in the world. If this was said about black people, he wants to kill Jewish people. If this was said about black people, the, God, the person would be in jail. This double standard of always hating the Jews, a minority, and and he's got hatred in his heart. Stop giving him a pass for his um, a bipolar nonsense. This is who we who he really is, and we're sick of this. Yeah, Elaine, your phone's a little screwed up there. So Elaine is not accepting mental illness as an appropriate, you know, degree of behavior for this. Deborah in New Jersey, what do you think? Yes, hi Frank. I I hear something else different in that first uh, talk that the speech he gave. You said years ago, uh, when he spoke, he said um, that people can't go to black people for money. That you know they can't ask their own people for money. They have to you know like Jews do. Is that did he say that? Yeah, I mean essentially, yes. Yeah. So what he's basically saying to me, it's like diversion. What he's sort of saying is. Now that he has money, don't come to me and ask me for money because I'm not the one with the money. Go ask somebody else that has it. It's sort of like a trick, a magician's trick. That's what I see. It sounds a little weird, and I almost feel like he has guilt about the money that he has. Like, I'm not giving you my money because I earned it. I have it for me. I, we deserve it. Well, what about you see, what about no, the you comment- see like he's playing the deserve. Yeah. What about the comments that he's made on social media, which have resulted in his accounts being suspended? Should they be suspended? No, we need to hear people talk like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. That's we need to know what people are saying, hearing and thinking. We all need to be in the know, whether even if we don't like it, we have to know what people are up to. Good, bad or indifferent. But I hear something there. I think he's a little bit guilty. And he's saying, listen, don't come to me, even though I have money. Ask somebody else. You know, I think that's what's going on here. Deborah, I applaud your consistency. I wonder about that, right? Maybe maybe that is the right way to be. Deborah is so on the one hand, I want to agree with Deborah. On the other hand, what if a bunch of what if one tenth of one percent of Kanye West's millions of Twitter followers say, well, Kanye is at DEFCON 3 against Jews. What if we start assaulting Jewish people when we see them in the street? I mean, we've already seen the uptick in anti-Semitic crimes. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Judy in Manhattan. Hello, Judy. Hi. Hi. Uh, You said that the Jewish Jews are not in control of the entertainment industry, but they are. And I think the problem is, is that they are broad brushed by um, the few that, like Kanye West and a lot of black entertainers, they have resentment 
for those executives in the uh, in the entertainment that are um how do you say that are in control. But instead of saying it's the executives they're talking about, they're broad brushing all Jewish people. And they do the same thing with black people, right? They don't make a distinction. They just broad brush everybody. And I think that's the problem. So, Judy, um, putting aside the the Jews control the media industry aspect of your your comments, about Kanye's comments here, let's say somebody, let's say a white entertainer or a white political leader had made – or a white billionaire – had made similar comments about uh, about blacks on Twitter or on Instagram. Should that person be able to um, maintain his Twitter account without getting suspended? I, I don't think they should be suspended. I think um, people, like you said before, are too sensitive, and they get offended very easily. So, I mean... No, I don't think they should be suspended. You know, we this black Jewish whatever. Well, I, I applaud your consistency on that, uh, Judy. We covered about a month ago the case of Robert Sarver, who owned uh, an NBA team and a WNBA team. He was suspended from going to any basketball games for making comments that um, were nowhere near, I think, as um, as racially motivated or discriminatory as what Kanye West is saying. And I don't remember a lot of folks standing up for Robert Sarver at the time uh, that are standing up for Kanye West right now. I, you know what it seems? It seems like everybody's for free speech until... The person speaking goes after them or an ethnic group that they like. That's why the call from, I think it was Deborah, was so interesting, who said the solution is free speech for everybody. But then again, this is where I'm conflicted. What if that leads, Kanye not having his Twitter account suspended, leads to 10 of Kanye's 30 million followers on social media assaulting someone that's wearing uh, a yarmulke. Or, you know, again, if it's not Jews we're talking about, if someone said they're going to death, death con three against Muslims, you know, the same situation. What responsibility, what's the role of these social media companies as content moderators? You know, this may, I, I don't think they're going to deal with this, but this may be one of the issues that the Supreme Court deals with. The Supreme Court is tackling this term, the issue of Section 230 protections, uh, meaning right now, um, if you say something on the radio, if I say something on the radio, um, something like Kanye West has said, the radio station can be sued. If I make that same comment on Twitter or Facebook, Twitter or Facebook can't be sued. So some people have said that's unfair because those big tech companies have Section 230 protection. And the Supreme Court is going to be evaluating that, this term. So I wonder what, this is a discussion that's not going anywhere. I don't think you see many people that are as 
in the public eye as Kanye West is, repeatedly testing public mores on this. But it is something that uh, I think these big tech companies are going to have to reckon with. And those of us that say that we believe in free speech, we're going to have to figure out a philosophy that makes sense for us. And I don't have an answer, quite frankly. I'm just curious what people think in, what you know, what they think. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Star is in Manhattan. Hello, Star. Hi, hi, sir. I wanted to make a quick comment. I think Cayenne should have First Amendment speech rights. I'm not for bashing different nationalities because that's totally wrong. That's not what we're about. But we're also about free speech. If if you don't like someone, you're allowed to say that. I'm I'm a filmmaker and I have a YouTube channel called Blonde Freedom and there's no e at the end and I just put out put it out there because I'm doing a a movie about September Cheney and it's all about the true story and real facts about what happened with 9/11. It's just blonde B L O N D space Cheney uh, is no I'm freedom, sorry blonde, blonde freedom. freedom. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Sure, it's don't be nervous. It's on YouTube, and I'm really excited about it, and I, I would enjoy if anyone could just take a look. The trailers are up there already, and I have a lot of really unusual information about the witnesses who were mysteriously killed or, or disappeared after 9-11. It's very deep and involved, but it's facts. Um, there's nothing there that's conspiracy theory. I don't go into that type of lifestyle. I live in the real world. I don't, I don't live amongst the, the ghosts and goblins, but if something is real— and it's verifiable, and you go and you find this information, the public needs to know, and nobody wants to know these things. So if people could just check out Blonde Space Freedom. Blonde Freedom. Okay, no so e thank, thank you, Star. Let me, let me ask you this, Star. Um, uh, if you – what you said, the beginning of your comments, you and said – my real name, Star. Oh, I believe you. Yeah, okay. But even if it's not, that's fine. You're welcome to use a pseudonym. No, it is. Okay, that's it fine. Is. We Real, fake, whatever. But um, let's say you said at the beginning of your comments that there um, that it's a First Amendment issue and that the First Amendment prohibits censorship. That's true. The First Amendment prohibits the government from censoring you. But if YouTube were to decide to censor your September Cheney uh, documentary or if Twitter does what they've done and they choose to suspend Kanye West for making these remarks about Jews – that's not the government. There's no First Amendment right to be on YouTube or Twitter. These are private companies. They do have I a agree. legal right to do whatever they want. I agree. I agree with you there. And I just wish the fact is that they would be more open-ended as far as, like, if someone doesn't like someone, as long as you're not injuring them, I mean, you have a right to speak your mind. And that's I've always believed that in my entire life. We're not here to pick on people, but... That's just the freedom of, of being in America. That's just that that's part of living in this free democracy, which is actually not a democracy. It's a republic. People get that confused. There's a difference between the two. And I think we're headed more in, into a Joe Biden, more of a um, like a dictatorship. Or uh, all right. Thank you, Star. I mean, I think we're getting off the beaten path here. Once somebody once they bring up that republic versus democracy discussion, then I know we're no longer having a discussion about free speech on Twitter. Right. OK, that, that's when I know we're going in a, a different direction. Let me squeeze in at least one more call here. David in the Bronx has been waiting a while. Hello, David. Yes, he has been waiting a while. But well, David, so have a lot of other people. But I no, mean, no, that's fine. Okay. You know, but um, to get to a couple of points, first of all, 
he's getting away with this because this is something a lot of black people don't want to admit, but anti-Semitism is widespread in the black community, okay? I know that from experience. So Kanye will never be held to account by black people for these statements. The reason he was removed from Twitter and Instagram is because he violated their rules against targeted harassment. So if he said the same thing about French people or Czech people or whatever, the same thing would have happened. And like you said, you have no absolute right to free speech in a private medium like Facebook or Twitter. And if the Supreme Court gets rid of 231, they're going to even be more likely to take down content. 230. Because then they'll be financially responsible. Right. Well, I agree so with that. There's a lot going on. Yeah, at Section you 230. Um, 800-848-9222. We're going to continue with your calls in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. we got a lot of other stuff to get to. Uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., what happened? Um, what happened that led to his death? There's a new documentary out that seeks to answer some of those questions. And perhaps if you're a Met fan, what's even more disturbing is what happened to them? Because uh, that's one of the great mysteries of our time as well. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. pretty catchy. This is a song by the Chainsmokers about Kanye West? Yeah, it actually is. That's that's pretty creative. Um, uh, Talking about the comments by uh, Kanye West that have resulted in his suspension from social media, I have been, since last I heard from you, uh, or you heard from me, well, I don't remember when the last time you heard from me was, but since this time yesterday, I have been going around the clock, around the clock. I squeezed in a brief nap yesterday morning and then ran to the Columbus Day Parade, anchored two hours of coverage at the Columbus Day Parade, drove home in a substantial amount of traffic, uh, looked after my son for a bit, took a nap, showered, had dinner with my wife, and drove to Long Island for the Bernard McGurk wake and then uh, drove here to work. And that's been that's been my whole day. So um, there are some days where maybe I'm not as uh, prepared as I should be. Uh, I mean, I have in the last hour or so tried to make sure I got all my T's crossed and my I's dotted. But the big potential beneficiary of this may be our very own Alex Barnard, which may mean you're the big loser in this whole situation. What does that mean? Well, rumor has it Alex Barnard has dropped a new song. 
So we may bring you that new song, and it seems appropriate if we're talking about Kanye West going to DEFCON 3 against Jews, it seems appropriate for us to highlight some songs from DEFCON Metal, and that is the um, genre of music that Alex Barnard specializes in. So if you're looking forward to hearing this new Alex Barnard single, stay tuned, uh, or more likely, if you're looking forward to hearing uh, Matt Blaze and I poke fun at him for this new uh, Alex Barnard DEFCON metal single, uh, then you can stay tuned for that as well. 800-848-9222. Yes, right. that is correct. 800-848-9222. Seth is in Fairfield. Hello, Seth. Yes, hi. Uh, I want to mention what you said about Kanye having a pattern of this anti-Semitism. When he was on Tucker Carlson, he made certain comments about Jared Kushner that were suspect. He said that his involvement in the Abraham Accords was to make money. And he also complained that uh, Josh Kushner, I guess, purchased a portion of his skims company that he had with Kim Kardashian. And he was upset that they, as venture capitalists, managed to buy a portion of his company without his knowledge. It sounded anti-Semitic when I was watching the interview, and that was Thursday, Friday. The comments today, I think, kind of prove it. Interesting. So I have still not seen the interview just because it's been it's been a hectic week uh, for me. So I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but I did intend to watch it. Um, but uh, that's interesting because that would seem to fit in to this whole pattern. Thank you, Seth. Uh, Jason is in Queens. Hello, Jason. Hey, Frank. Um uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to defend uh, DEFCON 3 on Twitter. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, anything referencing war and a specific racial group, I mean, it's just too much. So I think they definitely should have uh, – they had the right to pull that. But uh, I will say that I, I feel like the term uh, – like, I feel like anti-Semitism, it, 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 get, it gets thrown around yeah. a lot. You're right about that. Um I, I mean, you had a call of referencing statistics regarding uh, blacks and, and violent crimes. Uh, you know, that's based on empirical data. And when you say, like, you were referencing when Kanye said that Jews have connections and, you know, th- that could be seen as anti-Semitic. I, I, don't, I don't know how that is. I mean, empirically, Jews are represented pretty well in... A lot of Jason, uh, I, I gotta have to. I'm gonna have to end it there. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, coming up next hour, we're going to do something interesting, and we may have the debut of this new Alex Barnard song. Keep asking questions. This is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now here's Frank Morano. Did you dress up for Halloween? What did you do for school, right? I think a lot of us uh, dressed up for Halloween and we would go trick-or-treating. In school, what did you do? Well, I, I know for a lot of young people, 
children, really, not young people necessarily, for a lot of young uh, children, the thing to do was to have a Halloween parade. A lot of you, if you're parents or grandparents, you may recall fondly visiting your child or your grandchild's school and seeing a Halloween parade, seeing all the kids dressed up and they walk around the school. And uh, I remember when I was in school, you'd go then to your classroom and have a party with candy. It was fun. It was fun. Well, one school district in Pennsylvania is canceling their Halloween parades. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. But first, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, comment on this uh, Kanye West situation. My friend O.B. Murray, who is our uh, designated program observer and a one of the uh, greatest strategic communication professionals and or, or communication strategists and political consultants in the country, uh, was kind enough to call in. Obi, give me your take on Kanye Gate. Where do you think this uh, goes from a PR point of view, from a social media censorship point of view? Give me your take. I think after what you introduced me as, I'm just going to take off and let it go. Why say anything else? <laughs> My endorsement usually but, hurts, it, so be careful. It, Look at the mess. Also, by the way, you know, we wouldn't know you weren't prepared if you didn't tell us. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good and, to know. And next year, why don't you march in the parade with your son and wife and you get more quality time? Yeah, I uh, I, I tried for that uh, this year. But, um, you know, uh, when I told Carmine that they wouldn't allow him to crawl the entire length of the parade, he was much more reluctant to participate. Oh, well, there you go. But you next year, we'll see. As we Met fans are used to yep. saying, wait till next year. There you go. On the Kanye situation, the first thing is, I think, wasn't yesterday National Mental Health Day, by the way? Oh, I did not know that, actually. If that was the case, I didn't know that. See, that goes to my lack of preparation. It was the 10th. Well, that's just it, it was, so I think it's important to notice. But, you know, that, that's not, that's an explanation for certain things sometimes. I don't think it's ever an excuse. If you look at even when you go further in the criminal justice system and so forth, it doesn't excuse it. It's an explanation and so forth. And you know, when you cross that line where you start talking about violence about any group, I think that's a major – that that's the line that – Everyone sort of has to step up and say, wait a second, this isn't good. Because whether you've got 35 followers or millions of followers, what does that mean? You're looking at doing it yourself or other people might do it on your behalf. So it sounds like you think the social media companies reacted appropriately. They need to do something there. You can't let that go unchecked and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the cancel culture is, is what it is. People will decide to support him or not. A lot of it has to do with who decides to hire him or engage him in their endeavors and where he's going to make his money or not. Uh, and what they decide. I mean, that's oftentimes what seems to happen, whether it be one of your earlier callers talking about Roseanne Barr, if I'm not mistaken, that right. you know, the, the network stepped up and decided they weren't going to let that go. That was a network's choice at that point, based upon their viewers and what they saw going on at the time. So it's a, it's a each situation is different. Who's writing the checks to that individual for entertainment's sake sort of becomes it. But, you know, when you talk about you know Jews controlling entertainment, I think is what your caller said, not just media, Sammy Davis Jr., well, did he start this whole thing? Well, he was Jewish. Yeah, yeah, but so I'm not sure. You know, one anecdotal example is evidence of uh, of a trend necessarily, right? I mean, I just, um, I just, uh, I don't know. It just seems like um, an odd thing to be obsessed with, uh, which is that uh, you know, on the part of Kanye or anybody else, to me anyway. What set Kanye off, your previous call, I think, may have alluded to it, because I, we don't know what it was necessarily that did it. But don't forget, in New York, there have been tremendous number of hate crimes against Jews. 
it's been an epidemic to some extent within Jewish communities. Right. People driving along, seeing somebody in a black hat and a long beard in Borough Park or thereabouts, and just jumping out of the car and beating them up, walking down the street and slapping them around. I mean, that is just terrible. And if one person were to get hurt or worse because of attacks because of Kanye and point to it, what does that say? And I don't even want to go to that point where that happens. I think so. So let him say what he wants in a lot of respect. But when you get to a point beyond hatred and hatred's bad enough, but where it involves physical mm-hmm. attacks, potentially. I think that's that line that nobody crossed by any group. Mm. Uh, Obi, good points all. Uh, good points all. L- let's get you back in studio sometime soon, my friend. Anytime. We'd love it. Take Thank care. you. 800-848-9222. Now, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. They have made the decision to cancel their annual Halloween parades at their elementary schools over, are you ready for this? Safety and inclusivity concerns. The Lower Marion School District has been holding these parades for more than 50 years. More than 50 years. In all that time, in more than a half a century, never did they ever think to cancel these parades because of either safety or Inclusivity concerns. However, the school administrators have sent out letters to families at all six of its elementary schools last week saying the parades will not happen this year. I think this is a real shame. And I'm not the only one. Some parents are upset over the uh, decision. Linda Joseph, a parent in the school district, said this. I feel like it's just crossing the line and it's just, where does it end? So next people are going to be offended by pumpkins. So we're going to take away pumpkins or jack-o'-lanterns or pumpkin carving. So let's talk about first the, um, the safety aspect of it. Because the district is saying that safety is the main concern. They say the parades are outside and the district can't control or screen who comes who comes to them. Um, I think that's a lot of hogwash, okay? There's always going to be concerns about safety in ev- any outdoor activity, a, a, a sporting event or kids playing in the playground. I mean, if somebody is con- a, a really amped up to do harm to a child, you hate to say this, but they're going to do it. Uh, And somehow they've been able to have these parades for 50 years. And we don't exactly have an epidemic of children getting kidnapped or shot or assaulted at these Halloween parades, thankfully. As one parent said, there's danger in every possible venue in every possible way. So what are you going to do? Cancel everything? I think that safety aspect of this is a lot of hogwash, personally. I say this as a parent that's very concerned about my child's safety. More on that later, by the way, because I may need your advice on uh, selecting a baby gate for our stairs. It was a, a big bone of contention in the Morano household this week. But anyway. Um, then there's the inclusivity issue. Amanda Hershen, a parent, said this. She told... Um, Channel 6, which is the ABC affiliate in Pennsylvania, 
I think it's more inclusive that there's not a Halloween parade. I totally understand where the district is coming from in terms of the children's safety and the facts that many parents can't attend the parade. Um, Well, I completely disagree. So one of the – Amy Buckman, the director of school and community relations for the district, told Channel 6 out there, the other issue, aside from safety, is not everyone celebrates Halloween. And those kids have had to sit in the library in the past during the parades. That's totally nonsense. Um, There's a quote here. We looked at all of that. And and we said, are the parades really that important to the students? And the answer we came up with is not really, close quote. Well, let me answer the question. Yes, the parades are important. The parades are fun. They're fun for children. They're fun for parents. And they're fun for teachers. What is this nonsense about um, not everyone celebrates Halloween? So if you don't want to celebrate Halloween, how about you can march without a costume in the parade? If you don't want to march without without a costume, then okay, sit in the library or sit in the gym. And you know what you get as a fourth grader or a fifth grader or a third grader? You get a free period where you don't have to do anything. That's a wonderful thing. Instead, they're just going to cancel it? This is garbage. I, I know that there are some people that have tried to make Halloween into a religious holiday. It's not. I mean, it may be for some people, but... For the overwhelming majority, uh, you know, uh, our son Carmine, he's going to be a pumpkin this year for Halloween. And um, I can assure you that there is absolutely no religious significance to Carmine choosing to dress up as a pumpkin this year. I, this is, Halloween is supposed to be a fun holiday. It's supposed to be a silly holiday. It's supposed to be about candy. And scary movies and all that stuff. I think once we're can't literally canceling Halloween parades because of concerns about inclusivity, we've lost it. We've lost it as a society. Now, safety is a more serious thing. That's something you can't really um, that that's something you can't really slog off as easily. But I am not convinced that these safety concerns are that big of a concern. I mean, maybe they are. Who am I to say? But what do you think? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I know um, Ron DeSantis and I think some other groups around the country are running a whole bunch of candidates for school board. And they're doing things like opposing critical race theory and so forth. You know what I might do if I had the time, which I don't. But if I ever – and I, I honestly, I hope this doesn't happen. But if I ever become unemployed or independently wealthy, after I watch all those television shows that are on my list, some great shows on this list, after I watch all those television shows, I am going to launch a, a super PAC just running candidates for school board all over the country on a platform of preserving Halloween parades, preserving and expanding Halloween parades in every school district in the in the country. I don't know. We got to have um, we'll, we'll come up with a catchy name for that, uh, you know, for that situation, for that super PAC. 
you know, uh, something punny. But what, what can we call it? Halloween parade. Uh, I don't know. We'll come up with something. That's the difficult part. But um, 800-848-9222. I'd love to know where you fall on this. Uh, I'm curious what your school district is doing. I'm curious if you think this maybe is prudent. I don't. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. We're also going to try and go through your mail. So if you want to write to me and uh, perhaps see your email correspondence read on the air, you can go ahead and do so at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. If for whatever reason you don't want your name used, just uh, just specify that in there, that uh, please don't use my name or something along those lines. But um, I find it pretty alarming. Uh, look, I'm trying not to make too big of a deal about it because it is just a Halloween parade, but it's fun. It's a key aspect of childhood it's a key aspect of uh, celebrating Halloween as a um, as a young person and as a parent. And uh, I don't see any reason why they should cancel them, either for safety or inclusivity reasons. 800-848-9222. Let us go to our resident expert on parenting, Joe and Ron Konkuma. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Great show. Uh, belated happy Columbus Day to you. I had off yesterday. Um, oh, nice. To- I worked more yesterday. I'm- what? No, nothing. I had the opposite of off yesterday. I know. I heard you had a busy schedule. Um, we had the same thing happen. Uh, actually, two things in my school. I want to touch base with you. Uh, one was about Halloween. We went through this. and tried to make our school district woke. And uh, we went up to the board meetings, and we they were trying to cancel it for all sorts of re- religious, safety reasons. And they tried the COVID uh but it's outside. So they couldn't win on that one because the kids were outside. They were spaced. Then uh, they finally won the school district with no masks. They wouldn't let the kids wear any sort of, like, um, paint or masks because they want to be able to identify the children in case of an emergency, which we understood. Mm -hmm. Uh, But something happened that uh, I wanted to bring to your attention that uh, my wife was extremely upset about. Uh, One of the teachers in our Connect School District decided to take down the Blue Lives Matter flag and the American flag on Thursday in the high school and put up a pride flag. Now, I support LGBT. Well, just so I, I'm you know, clear, Joe, Joe, just so I'm clear, where was the the flag being put up? Uh, where was the Blue Lives Matter flag being taken down? And where was the flag being put up? What kind of property was it? It was at the um, high school. It was in a oh, classroom. Oh, 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 oh. Well, so this was in a classroom that they had a Blue Lives Matter flag, and now it's a gay pride flag? Yes. And um, four students went to the principal, and they felt very uncomfortable with the situation. And now they're having a protest, of course, today at the uh, main building about this, that, that all American flags should be taken down from the schools. And uh, our school district said, you know, the only flag that we have basically is the American flag. And if we were to fly every flag that everybody wanted, and there'd be no room for chalkboards or, you know, uh, so it's becoming a big, big. And the teacher, uh, you know, the teachers union, of course, is standing behind the teacher. So um, it, it's a real mess, a real mess. And they're trying to make our school district woke like the rest of them. But we have a very conservative base in the Connecticut School District, and uh, we're trying to keep it that way because we're afraid what's going to happen. Uh, have a great night, Frank, and great show. 
Thank you. 800-848-9222. Where do you come down on the Halloween parade debate? Do you believe, as the Montgomery County School District in Pennsylvania seems to, that these parades ought to be canceled because of safety concerns and or inclusivity concerns? I think this is total nonsense. Total nonsense. 800-848-9222. Heaven forbid you you tweet something about this. You may find your Twitter account suspended. Or shadow banned, which I'm convinced I've become, which is very appropriate come Halloween. Hey, by the way, if you want to help me fight my shadow ban, um, I don't know that there's much you can do unless you happen to be an executive at Twitter. But you can follow me on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. Follow me there. Uh, give my tweets a like. Give some of my tweets a retweet because then at least you, – you know what you should do? You should retweet my tweets in the name of free speech. But – non-hateful free speech. So I think my tweets are a good example that you can embrace free speech, you can embrace controversial opinions without necessarily calling for uh, war against the Jews, right? So uh, people didn't think it was possible, but you, you can do that. So go ahead and follow me on Twitter and retweet all my stuff just to make a statement, even if you don't agree with it. Because remember, retweets aren't endorsements anyway. At Frank Moreno. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Neil on Staten Island. Neil, what are you going to be for Halloween this year? Uh, I'm going to be a pumpkin like your son, Frank. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Maybe uh, maybe the two of you can be a, a pumpkin patch if you get together. A pair of pumpkins. I, I'm sorry, Frank. I don't have much time to talk because I'm busy running CBS and uh, NBC tonight. Uh, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That was, that, was just, that was just so ridiculous. It's just so ridiculous, Frank. Uh, what I wanted to say was, you know, our American Legion post came up with a novel idea. What we do is we put the SUVs in the parking lot, open up the hatches, and fill it with bags of candy. Uh, we also have hot chocolate on the side. The kids from the local school drive through. They get out of the cars. They walk along. They take what they want out of the cars. They have some hot chocolate, and they get back in their cars, and the parents drive them home. So, uh, yeah, they, they call that trunk or treat. Um, I, um, you know, look, I, I would rather do that than cancel these Halloween parades to begin with. I, I, I think that just a regular old school Halloween parade is OK. I, I really don't think that there's that much of a safety concern. Well, I don't think it's a safety concern, Frank, but I mean, you, you still... Uh, you really have to have the the the, the route roped off or uh, or with people there to to keep cars and everything away. Of course, uh, there are really no sidewalks in Travis in a lot of places, so they would have to walk through the streets. So that, for that reason, it would be a safety concern. Yeah, I, I I don't see a lot of reports of children getting hit by cars or anything during these Halloween parades. Thank you, Neil. You know what I remember? I mean, these were not elaborate parades, right? I mean. Uh, and where they go on, I don't think it, they are elaborate parades. Basically, all the kids would, would go out to the front of the school in their costumes, and they would circle the block. They would circle the school, and they'd go back into the classroom. The whole thing's 15 minutes. I mean, it's not exactly the Columbus Day Parade. These kids aren't marching down Fifth Avenue or the Greenwich Village Halloween uh, Parade. They, they would so march around the school. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I am fighting to keep these Halloween parades. 
800-848-9222 if you want to comment. Um, and uh, we'll, we are going to go through some of your mail as well. And uh, we are going to, I think, debut this new Alex Barnard song. We helped make his um, first song a a big hit single. And it's very bittersweet for us because so many people downloaded the song after we exposed it to you um, that um, it, it he's made so much money, he may have to leave this show. Yes, that is correct. Because he's got his chauffeur driving him here. I uh, He was standing outside of the building a t- couple of days ago when I was leaving. I said, what are you doing? What, what, do, you need, do you need a ride? He says, no, my driver's coming. Yes, driver. that is correct. Driver. The guy's producing a radio show in the middle of the night. The guy's got a driver. He didn't have a driver when he first started uh, uploading these songs. So now the song is well on its way to hitting platinum. And, um, you know, we'll see where this one goes. So 800-848-9222. We'll conti- hey, Charles is in Baltimore. We'll give Charles an opportunity to comment. Uh, Hello, yeah. Charles. Uh, yeah, great show. L- listen, I'd I like you. to clarify some things regarding the, uh, you know, the anti-Semitism in the, in the black community. Uh, what I know is there, there's a large organization in this country that's been around for 30 years long. Is 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 headed by uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan of the Black Muslims, and he he's definitely anti anti Jewish anti Semitic. He says that the uh, the Jewish religion is a gutter religion, and he has said it for a long time. And he's the one that has incited anti Semitism in this country, definitely. And also there is someone else uh, called. Um, 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 Al Sharpton, Al Sharpton, uh, he's Nothing another very anti-Semitic. He's in the media all the time. And uh, uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, Minister uh, uh, Minister J- uh, Jackson, I don't know what his first name, Jackson. He's also been. He says uh, he he calls the the Jewish community in, in New York a Jaime town. Yeah. Uh, so that's can, definitely, I don't know if you know these characters. Yes, so yes. Just, uh, I'm very familiar with, with all of them, uh, Charles. Thank you. I, I have been critical of all of them at, at certain times or another. As I said of Pat Buchanan the other day and Bob Grant and Al Sharpton and Curtis Lewa and anybody that has a history of saying controversial things, I don't think it's fair to find the worst thing that anybody has ever said, particularly if it's from 30 years ago. And and hold that up as typical of their behavior and have it have it define them. I, I don't think it's fair to do that, uh, which is the case with um, the Jaime Town remarks. With that, Louis Farrakhan is a very different situation. Louis Farrakhan has I don't know why we're even talking about Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan, who used to be a an associate of Eric Adams, isn't it interesting? By the way, and, and, and I don't want to get into this. We're getting off the beaten path now, but. Um, this is what happens when I don't have an opportunity to prepare adequately. Isn't it interesting that about half of the Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn still backed Eric Adams when he ran for mayor, even given Eric Adams' association over the years with Louis Farrakhan? Makes you wonder, what was going on? What kind of deals were being cut behind the scenes? Hmm. Um, But, all of those people that you referenced, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, uh, Louis Farrakhan, 
I would wonder the same thing about them that I wonder for Kanye West, which is what right do they have on social media to make those remarks? Now, the thing that's not at play with the three of them is at what point are you cancel proof, right? All right, uh, 800-848-9222. We will continue with your comments in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. I'm a fan of uh, Ghostbusters. I have not seen the uh, the newer one yet. Um, my brother saw it. He said it was okay. And uh, I, I expected to hear a much cooler review, but he liked it. And he, he's a tough critic, my brother Alexander. So I'm going to check it out out of curiosity. I saw it. It was good. It, you liked it? Yeah, definitely better than... The reboot? Yeah, yeah. Well, the remake with, um, you know, the female. Yeah, and that had nothing to do with because it was a female. Yeah, it was, no, just, it was, it was just horrible. Yeah, no, no, But no. this one is a continuation of the original. Right, more of a sequel. Right. I'm going to see it. So it's worth seeing, you say? Yes, absolutely. You know what the challenge is? Is finding two hours, you know? I have been trying, my wife and I, since Friday, no, maybe even since Thursday, since Thursday, we have been trying to finish one episode of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is 30 minutes over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we'd say Tuesday. Over six days, we have not been able to finish a 30-minute episode of Ted Lasso. That's kind of where we are. Time is a big priority. Talking about the situation in uh, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. They are they are canceling all of their Halloween parades in the entire school district, a tradition that has gone back more than 50 years because of concerns about safety and inclusivity. What say you? 800-848-9222. Patrick is in Huntington. Hello, Patrick. Good morning, Frank. Hi. Yeah, this is another case of the UFTA. And these teacher unions want to control every aspect of these kids' life, their joy, everything. They want it's just it's sickening. I mean, I remember when the teachers would dress up 
and the kids need some smile on their faces and being instead of being stressed out in school all the time. Well, I agree with the latter part of what you said, but just educate me, Patrick. Why does the teachers' union have a problem with Halloween parades? Well, you may have some of them who think it's a pagan holiday and they don't approve of it. So, of course, they're going to take their views and push it down on the entire, uh, you know, the entire assembly. All you need is a few, right? You don't need a, you don't need a consensus. You just need a few people screaming, and the next thing you know. Everybody starts nodding their head in, uh, in uh, you know, confirmation. Yeah, I, I haven't. Thanks for the call, Patrick. I have not seen any statement from anybody associated with the teachers' union that that indicates that they're for canceling these Halloween parades. In fact, if you're going to be uh, cynical, which I know our audience has a tendency to be, you know what we're going to do. What, what, what do I have scheduled for tomorrow's show? Let me see. What, what's today? Today's Tuesday, right? Tuesday. What, t- tomorrow's Wednesday. I don't think I have much scheduled. We have one guest book so far. Maybe two. I may have to cancel one. But um, I maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe we have a no cynicism show where we're, none of us get to be cynical for four hours. And we all have to put our cynicism cynicism aside, put our cynicism aside in place of citizenship, right? How would you like that for four hours? Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. We'll look at that. But um, if you're going to be cynical, Patrick, I would think that the teachers union actually likes these Halloween parades because for an hour or so, it gets them out of having to do work, gets them out of having to teach. They get to walk around and then have a party under the blessing of the school district's Halloween parade policy. So I don't buy that, what you're suggesting, that it's the teachers' unions that are the villain here. I don't buy that. Uh, But maybe it might be just because I'm not aware of the full story. If there is more to it, 800-848-9222. Give me a call. Kevin is in New Jersey. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Frank. Uh, Good show as usual. I got a, a name for your super PAC. More ghouls in schools. Kevin, that is absolutely brilliant. That is absolutely Isn't it? brilliant. Isn't the, it? Absolutely. If I use that name, are you going to sue me for using that now? <laughs> no, you have my permission. You're good to go. You know, you talked about inclusivity as well. And I remember when my daughter was in school, in grammar school, and like you said, they only really march around the school. That's yeah, all they do. Right. And there was three, I remember three kids. In her whole school, that were Jehovah's Witnesses that didn't participate. So, uh, we're going to stop the uh, Halloween parade for three kids. Yeah, I they mean don't, that's they don't what bothers Halloween, me. Christmas, that, that's what know? bothers me, Kevin. If you don't want to celebrate it, then just enjoy the free period. You know, it's the same thing. I think they should say the Pledge of Allegiance in school. I think it's great. But you know, if you don't want to sell, if you don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance, sit there. Don't 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 say it, but don't stop uh, the 95 percent of other children that are comfortable with saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Don't stop them from saying it. It, You don't get to look. It's important to respect minority views, but minority views don't get to dictate um, to what the majority does. So I'm I'm so. I think you're exactly right. I think in this case, in um, Montgomery County, it probably is 
a case of three Jehovah's Witnesses that they're concerned about. And who cares? I don't want to say who cares, but who cares? Yeah, absolutely. And no one's going to force, especially in, in today's society, no one's going to force those three to march. So, yeah, so and or they're not going to force the ones that don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance as well. Thank so, you. you know. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. And folks can send their contributions to More Ghouls in Schools, P.O. Box 1777, New York, New York. And then we will uh, make sure to use that money to get pro-ghoul candidates elected to the school board. All right. Without further ado, it is time for... Let us begin with the world of Twitter. Anthony writes, uh, today, you can't be more right. These people are out of effing control. Here's the sad um, spot of that. I'm not sure what story he's talking about, but everybody's out of control. Um, So that's that. All right. Uh, On to the email. Anna writes on the subject of the uh, callers that we had in studio. Anna writes, uh, feedback on last night's panel discussion. Frank, the group discussion last night was really well done by well-informed guys. They got a little testy at the end of the night when I had to turn it off and go off into the growly with the cats. I'm not sure what the growly is. That might be a cat person thing. All right. This is also via email. This is from Barbara. Barbara writes, hi, Frank. I was happy to hear you talk about Ray Bream last night. Always being an insomniac, I used to listen to him on WABC back in the 70s and 80s. Every now and then, he had a caller named Curtis Lewa who talked about patrolling the bowels of New York City with his guardian angels. I thought Curtis was fascinating, and it turns out I was right, and he still is. And so are you. Thank you, Barbara. Uh, this is uh, a woman named Joan. Subject, Richard Bay. This is the night that she was on, that he was on. Tonight is probably the most boring show you have ever done. One hour of Richard Bay is definitely enough and even too much. I can't understand why you would have him and his meaningless commentary on for more than an hour. Lately, I'm feeling that your programs are different. With fewer guests featuring the many issues... You have featured over the life of your program and lots of lightweight fill-ins. Has something changed with your booking department? Thanks for listening. Uh, answer is no. Nothing has changed as far as uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, Chris writes of uh, John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker is our, one of our national treasures. Just an opinion from another one of your lunatics. Outstanding interviews tonight. Thank you. That's very nice, Chris. All right. Uh, Bunny writes... Hello, Frank. This morning I popped in and you were talking to someone I never heard of. Richard Bay? The man is an idiot when I heard what he said. It is voters who think his way that has brought our beautiful country to his this now dire situation. I left after about 60 seconds and it took a while 
for me to get back to sleep. That's from Bunny. Um, This is from Carolyn. I'm not going to read her whole name because she is a Ph.D. and a writer. But uh, she writes, um, Dear Frank Moreno, a few nights ago, though the reception's a bit rough out west, I happened across the other side of midnight. You were reminiscing about good radio and praising an icon. The latter I didn't know. The former's dear to my heart. As a lifetime Long lifetime, lover of good radio, good theater of the mind, one who mourns the loss of quality on-air offerings, your program that night was particularly interesting to me. I believe you mentioned Rush Limbaugh, a broadcaster who is sorely missed because he was an excellent broadcaster who cared about the work, quality broadcasting, quality of content, preparation, and performance, quality of language, diction, and delivery, and a demonstrated respectfulness for, not condescension or pandering to, audience, a general audience. One could agree or disagree, uh, but uh, but any rational mind had to respect the man of the craft who made it an art form. Limbaugh also expressed a subtle humor and a refusal to descend into fanaticism. Mark Stein mentioned these in his kind, in his kind of eulogy online. I think Limbaugh was well aware sometimes intimated in one or another discussion of the t- deterioration of the quality of radio broadcasting. I sometimes think if he had lived, the cancelers would conspire to cancel him, perhaps for no other reason than because he was good. The best in his field of commentary and his own man. Another solid contemporary on-air commentator with obvious nuances is George Galloway and his mother of all talk shows. I have listened to some parts of your program since that first night, and I find your on-air presence intelligent and in clear Clean language, original, informative, light, easygoing, substantive, and respectful. Thank you for contributing to a better quality, a higher standard in contemporary radio broadcasting. Well, that's awfully nice. Thank you, Carol. Uh, See, I told you so. <laughs> hey, this is from, I'm not going to mention this person's name, but this is from somebody that used to be a high profile member of the media. And he's sort of, I think, semi retired now. But this person writes, Frank. I'm terribly sad to hear about Bernie, talking about Bernie McGurk, my colleague who passed away. I knew he was ill, but was hoping for a better outcome. And then this person writes, I assume they will partner you with Sid. You are by far the best choice for the gig. You'll do great, but get paid. They aren't doing you a favor. You will be a star in the mornings and make them a lot of money. Good luck. Let me, uh, because a couple of people wrote to me about this. Let me be very clear. I have, and this is not posturing or anything like that. Uh, you can hook me up to a lie detector test, and I will say the same thing. I have no interest whatsoever in uh, doing the morning show. I did morning show hours for about uh, 12 years. I feel like it's going to take me 20 years to recover from the 12 years that I did it. You know, one of the nice things about the overnight hours is you have the freedom to experiment. You have the freedom to be creative, the freedom to do wacky things. The truth is you really don't have that in the morning, especially on most radio stations. You have 30 people listening in management, in middle management, in upper management, and all everybody wants to tweak. They want to tweak what you're doing. I don't want tweaking. I don't want people um I don't want people offering suggestions in in management. I want people to leave me alone. And if you do a morning show, nobody leaves you alone. You better dot your I's and uh, cross your T's. (laughs) 
And uh, and uh, aside from that, uh, Sid has been doing great uh, doing the morning show on his own. So I think that's um, I think that's uh, a non-starter from everybody's perspective. But I appreciate the the thought. Speaking of Bernard, uh, one listener. D writes, hi, Frank, I was listening to your Friday show, Remembering Bernard McGurk, and I wanted to tell you what a beautiful job you did. The things you spoke about were personal and so complimentary to such a loved personality. If you didn't know who Bernie was before, you know him now, and if you knew him before, you know him even better now. It was nice to laugh and and hear some old clips and some I never heard. You're truly a great broadcaster, and I think Bernard would love and appreciate everything you said about him. Take care and hope to see you in the future. Well, that was awfully nice, D. I appreciate that very much. Uh, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on that. I think we have a few. Uh, this is a couple from Twitter. Um, a listener named Spike writes, uh, why are you being derogatory towards Curtis Sliwa? If not for him, where would you be? I hope it's just a bit of a gag, but if it's not, that's really in bad touch. <laughs> I think he means bad taste. That guy works his behind off, and from what I understand, he helped your career quite a bit. I hope you can clarify that and tell me it's just a gag. I don't even remember what he's talking about. I have no like idea that? what he's saying. Um, there's there's that. All right. Um, I like the big dog, the German Shepherd. <laughs> Uh, we'll do uh, one more here. By the way, if you ever want to send me snail mail, I love snail mail. Uh, and if you ever want to send us snail mail, you can do so uh, by mailing it to P.O. Box 1777, New York, New York, 10163. Just send it to my attention, Frank Morano, uh, or attention the other side of midnight. That's P.O. Box 1777, New York, New York, 10163. If you want to comment on uh, anything we're doing and you don't have email or anything, anything along those lines. Oh, this is an, speaking of Curtis. This is the last one I'll I'll read. This is from uh, a Facebook user by the name of Trot. Why do you put up with Curtis Slee's constant six hour weekend bashing of you? Hey, do not. His shtick, which this person writes as stick. His stick, as you say, is boring. Upper management should stop this. It ruined the show. It's nonstop. Frank M. is a a a-hole. And his weekly show suck compared to weekends. (laughs) Are you that much of a wussy to not stand up to Curtis? Be a man, as Curtis would say. Shut this demeaning of you down. It's been happening since his return from... The loss to be mayor. Isn't it interesting what people take from listening to the radio? You have some people that think I'm too harsh on Curtis. And you have other people that think that uh, I don't do enough to stand up for myself when I'm getting made fun of by Curtis. What the hell are you talking I just saw Curtis a couple hours ago. Um, The relationship that Curtis and I have is uh, super close. And... um, you know, I have no problem with anything Curtis really? says about me on the radio. He should, it, you know, whatever he's saying, it seems to be working for us because we're still number one in the ratings. Let him say it twice as much. I don't care. In fact, I love what he's doing. I think it's great. I think it's fun. It's entertaining. Not doing anything to put a stop to that. All right. If you didn't get your correspondence uh, answered or addressed or read today, perhaps it will be on the next edition of. 
other side of midnight. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. by the Talking Heads. These Talking Heads may have something of a future, but if you want to find a um, musical genius whose star is really ascendant, you have to look no further or no farther than um, the production studio here on the second floor. Because much like the filing clerk that Albert Einstein once was, the person that we have regularly cutting tape and um, asking for guest phone numbers is right now poised to be the hottest thing in all of Deathcon metal. Yes, that is correct. And uh, his previous song may have led to a mass shooting. Uh, we don't think it did, but it may have. It, it is. It, it, he did come out with a song about a mass I shooting. Have no idea. And then there was a mass shooting. And now we don't blame him for that. Others may, but we don't. Uh, and it's sure enough. It's one of the he, he and his band, Lesbian Dance Theory, are one of the hottest musical artists on all of Spotify. And uh, Spotify had to expand its bandwidth so much. He's been doing so well. And now the man that brought us live stream crimes, Alex Barnard, who uh, Matt Blaze and I are lucky enough to work with each and every day, who now gets picked up by a driver. Yes, that is correct. Each and every morning, even though he's only going to the same borough that he works in, has now come out with what we think will be another masterpiece. Listen to this.
This is uh, the song Lethal Sleep from uh, Alex Barnard and uh, Lesbian Dance Theory. I have to say, I think I, um, I think I like this song more than live stream crimes. I have a few questions about it, and I'm going to invite Alex Barnard uh, to address them. But uh, this, this is more my speed than, um, than live stream crimes. But I do think it does show a little bit of Alex's versatility as a musician because in the other song, you know, it sounds like he's doing a lot of screaming and so forth. This one, you can actually kind of understand most of the lyrics. I, I think actually I prefer this one to live stream crimes. W- what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think this is more musical. Right, 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 right. I, liked, right. I, I think the musicality shows off more than in live stream crimes. Um, and his voice, like you said, you can hear yeah. it, and it's more singing. Yeah, no, no, I think it's pretty good. Just growling. Right, right, exactly. Um, my, yeah, right, my throat doesn't hurt listening <laughs> right, right. to this song. Um, what is your review, Kenneth? I think Al obviously put more on display his guitar playing ability on live stream crimes. Mm. But with this one, I agree. You know, you could obviously clearly understand his lyrics. And after he told me what the song was actually about, it's actually pretty interesting. Well, I know, but most people don't have the luxury of having the artist explain it to them. But fortunately, we do in this audience. So uh, this song, Alex Barnard is here. Congratulations on the new song. How do people get this, by the way? They can check it out on Spotify, Face Stealer, uh, not Lesbian Dance Theory. Um, oh, that's the, yeah, the Face Stealer. Yeah, right. Face Stealer. Uh, Lethal Sleep uh, by Face Stealer. Okay, Lethal Sleep by Face Stealer. What is the song about then? You, Kenneth said he got an explanation. It was about a poorly written short story that was on the internet of, about basically a fake experiment that the Russians conducted on uh, some German POWs that led them to become zombies, essentially. Oh, really? Yeah. But it, did they really do that? No, no, of course not. No, oh. it's, it's fake but and very poorly written. But. I see. Now, I, the one part of this that, uh, you know, because I was wondering the reference to uh, Comrade, I figured that was kind of your surreptitious way to promote your communist agenda, which I know you're always right. trying yeah, to do. Yes. Um, but um, the disemboweling myself portion of it was interesting. Yeah, that, well, that's basically what they do in the short story. All right. So yeah. um, how do people get this again? Spotify, iTunes, Lethal Sleep by Face Stealer. Right, I'm giving this one a thumbs up. Thank we'll you. have to uh, we'll have to send it to our our musical analyst Gina and have her compare this to another another Frank Diaz song. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cats paid or neutered. 
This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. I do not have any tattoos. I don't have any desire to get any tattoos. I'm not really a tattoo person. My attitude when it comes to most tattoos is, all right, if you want to do it, go ahead. I find when, um, you know, I could deal with a man getting a tattoo, something small, even a woman, you know, I, I don't mind that, especially if it's in a kind of a sexy spot, right? Both for men and women, when it's too much, when you get like sleeves of tattoos or you look like you can't even see what the person's skin looks like, I, I don't know. I, I don't like that. I don't like that look. But you know what the thing is? I don't have to like it. People like it. People love to do it. People love to get tattooed. They love to view it as a creative expression. They love the uh, prospect of picking out a tattoo and dealing with a tattoo artist. It's great. Fine. Whatever. I am the self-proclaimed least judgmental person on earth when it comes to tattoos and everything else. Matt Blaze, you have any tattoos? No, I don't. And I've been saying for years that I'm going to get a tattoo. Well, oh, you want one? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, what stopped for you? Years. What I just, stopped you? Well, first, it was like, what do I get? What do I want on myself permanently forever? Mm-hmm. That was one question. Where I was going to get it was the other question. And then I thought, once I start, I'll be one of those people that doesn't oh, yeah, stop. Yeah, don't do that. Don't but there's certain tattoos like I don't like. I don't like when people have tattoos on the tops of their hands. It's, I don't like that. And the neck I don't like thing, that either. Yeah. The neck one I don't really like either. When especially if it's like yeah. if it's like writing, I don't mind. But like a big picture, it looks like literally somebody. It just looks like a weird spot. Kenneth, uh, I don't even know if you're old enough to have tattoos. Do you have any tattoos though? But on, um, I actually I don't, and I never really had an interest in it. But on top of that, my dad always threatened if you ever get a tattoo, I'll never help you college really well that's extreme and absurd uh, you know again I, I don't mind a tattoo i know a lot of marines have tattoos they have uh usmc or something along those lines fine i don't care you know roger stone has a nixon tattoo on his back i think that's kind of creative it's different it's you know it's kind of neat um i don't mind it i do wonder about this new trend have you heard about this this is, you know who, by the way, you know who has a lot of tattoos that you might not think does have a lot of tattoos? You see him on television, you would never guess this. But you meet him in person, especially if he's got a short sleeve shirt, it's very evident. You know who's loaded with tattoos? Geraldo Rivera. He has got all sorts of tattoos. Very visible, not, not in, you know, hidden spots or anything like that. But for some reason, when he puts on a suit, you know, he, he's able to cover them all up. Or he's, I think he's even got some maybe on his hands. I, don't quote me on that. But I, I seem to remember him having some on his hands that you also don't see when he's on TV. So here is the latest trend out of the tattoo world. And this is not necessarily for people that have tattoos, although it could include them. It is for 
people that have loved ones that have tattoos. Tattoo preservation. Are you familiar with this? New York Times did a big article on this over the weekend. A fascinating article. I have to say, before I read this article, I did not even know this was a thing that people were doing. And sure enough, it's all the rage. It is legal in, I think, every state but one to do this. What is it? Well, Jonathan Gill knew he would never forget the details of the day his 24-year-old twin brother died in a boating accident in Lake Hopatcong in northern New Jersey. The frantic phone call from a friend, the dire search by rescuers, rescuers, and the dread of breaking the grim news to his mother. Oh, my heart goes out to him. I can't imagine. But Mr. Gill worried that as the months and years wore on, the memories he held of Jason beyond that tragic day would begin to fade. His family's solution preserve a part of his brother. Now, anytime he seeks a quick reminder of his twin, Mr. Gill glances past a collage of photos to a shelf next to his desk that acts as an altar where the tattoo of a black and white skull and three roses lifted and preserved from Jason's left shoulder sits protected in a frame. And you could see the photo. I'm going to link to this if you want to read it at uh, facebook.com slash Morano fan. That's facebook.com slash Morano fan. Um, quote, we have his ashes. But with that, you don't see a physical part of him. But with the tattoo, you can. It's nice to have a little piece of him. Like you're holding him close in one way or another and keeping him around. The preserved tattoo is the work of the company Save My Ink Forever. Started in 2016 in Ohio by Kyle Sherwood, a third-generation mortician, and his father, Mike. So, um... Essentially, what this is, is if you have a loved one that dies who has a tattoo, they will take the skin off of that person with the tattoo on it and preserve it and put it in a frame for you. And you're essentially going to have a framed piece of your loved one's skin, tattooed skin, in your house or on a shelf or wherever you want it. And it may, it may sound a little weird, but this company is blowing up and people are all about this. People love this. I'm trying to think my wife doesn't have any tattoos. Um, My father doesn't have any tattoos. My um, mother doesn't have any tattoos. My siblings don't have any tattoos that they want anybody to know about. So um, I don't know what I, I I cannot imagine, though, even if any of those people did, I can't imagine wanting to save their tattoo. I would look, I think it's I'm all for remembering folks that have passed. Uh, I've been thinking a great deal about my friend Bernard McGurk all, all, you know, last few days. But um, 
I feel like you can do that with photographs. You can do that with videos. You can do that, as I've done with Bernie, with audio recordings. I just find um, tattoos, preserving a tattoo, a little different. But maybe it's not. Would you ever want that? See, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of almost like human taxidermy. Almost like um, your friend or your father or your brother or your uncle is um, is dead and you're preserving a piece of them in your house, kind of like a stuffed bear or something. I don't know. It's it's not for me. That's exactly what I thought. It was, I'm like, right? it's a step away from like, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they we cuts the guy's skin off his face and then you stuff him and then you go, wait, wait, well, how about you just stuff his head and put the head on display? I am curious, have you done this? Do you know anyone that has done this? Would you do this? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Also, if you have a tattoo, would you want someone doing this to you? And also, if you have, say, one tattoo, like my Uncle Steve, for instance, he's got a, he's got a tattoo of a, a dog on his shoulder, and I don't want it. But uh, so if anyone else in my family wants it, they're welcome to it. But uh, when, but if you have one tattoo, what do you do to avoid family members or friends fighting over who gets possession of that tattoo? Are we going to be at a point where people are going to have to spell out in your will? Okay, Freddie Frank gets the house. Nicholas gets the car. Claudia gets the armoire. Alexander gets the tattoo. Uh, I mean, are we going to be at a point where we start seeing families feuding over tattoos that aren't specifically earmarked in the will? I don't know about this uh, for me. I, I think it's great if people want to do it. It's great that this company found a way to make some money serving a need that was clearly there in the community. But this is not something that I would want to do. I'm curious if you would. 800-848-922. I'm trying to think. I'm, and again, Sometimes things seem really odd when you first hear about them, and then you think a little bit, all right, maybe this, maybe that. But eh, I don't think it's for me. What do you think? 800-848-9222. So while limited attempts to preserve tattoos stretch back for decades, few other companies globally are doing the same work as this company in Ohio that I told you about. They started this business at the nexus of two growing trends. One more Americans are getting inked. And the idea of turning loved ones' remains into keepsakes is surging in popularity. Some mourners are having cremated remains made into jewelry or infused into glass-blown sculptures, all in the name of keeping a loved one close. See, I don't know why. For me, I view that differently. I just do. You know, I realize maybe it's kind of the same thing, But if someone wanted to have a ring or a piece of jewelry made from the ashes of a loved one, in my brain, it's it's just a little different than looking up at the wall and seeing your husband or your brother's tattoo. I don't know. Maybe it's not different. It's in my brain. It's different. It's seeing that piece of skin in a frame. And it looks nice. I mean, they do a good job with the frames. But it, it, it's something about this that I just can't get behind. For me. I, I have no problem if people want to do it. I'm not looking to make it illegal or anything. 
Um, but it's not something that I don't think I would ever want. Or maybe it's one of those things where psychologically, the fact that I've now said this four times, maybe I doth protest too much. Maybe I actually on some level do want somebody's tattoo. I don't know who, but I don't think I do. More mourners are also asking funeral homes about this service, according to the National Funeral Directors Association. Walker Posey, a funeral home director and spokesman for the association, said more than half of his roughly 400 clients inquire each year about the keepsakes. I mean, I am surprised that it's that many. More than half? It's a sharp increase from five years ago when clients seldom made such uh, requests. Take a guess at what state is the only state that prohibits this. You're never going to get it. Okay. Washington State. Washington State is the only one that doesn't allow this. Funeral laws in 49 other states allow the tattoo preservation practice. And a record three in 10 Americans have at least one tattoo. I am surprised that that's that high. Somewhat surprised. Um, The popularity of permanent ink continues to grow among young people. The idea of keeping a beloved relative's tattooed skin and hanging it on a wall may be hard for some to imagine. But families who have worked with the with the Sherwoods say it brings comfort and emphasize that a person's tattoo often carries great meaning. I could see that. I could see that, I guess. But I don't know. How about a picture? Um, what do you think? Historians trace the rise of tattoo preservation to the mid to late 19th century. Fukushi Masachi, no, Fukuchi Masaichi, a Japanese physician, is credited as one of the pioneers in the field. And uh, this is a big thing. Save My Ink Forever receives a request to preserve a tattoo, and the company sends a package of materials to the funeral home for the tattoo to be excised. Morticians are directed through an instructional video to remove only the necessary amount of skin needed to preserve the tattoo. Ugh. The practice, the excuse me, the process is really hard to screw up, Mr. Sherwood said. If something goes awry, his team can usually fix it. The mortician places the tattoo into a preservative. It then is shipped to Ohio for the team of about five people to clean, trim excess skin, and fix any blemishes. Sometimes the skin is damaged. Or in the case of the waterlogged skin of Mr. Gill's twin brother, extra care is required to bring the tattoo back to its original glory. Mr. Sherwood said, it's sort of like cleaning a dirty window. Huh. The process takes about three to four months per tattoo. Then the tattoo gets a frame. Families pick the fr- the type of frame and matting, and then a professional framer gets started. Each tattoo is sewn to the canvas, and the frame is pumped with nitrogen to help keep it pristinely preserved as museum-grade UV blocking glass is inserted into place. In order to have the materials to preserve the science, to, excuse me, to perfect the science, Mr. Sherwood came up with the idea to <laughs> see. It's just this story gets weirder and weirder. Um, 
in order to have the materials to perfect the science, Mr. Sherwood, the person who has this Ohio company, came up with the idea to pay for people's tummy tuck procedures, which remove excess skin and fat in exchange for being able to practice on that discarded skin. You can't say these guys aren't creative. These guys are exercising a lot of ingenuity here. The cost can range from about $1,700 for a small 5-inch by 5-inch tattoo to more than $120,000 to preserve an entire bodysuit. Uh, Mr. Sherwood told the Times that while some people may find his business outlandish, he takes pride in being able to give people a long-lasting physical memory of their loved one. Look, clearly there's a market for this. Um, it's I'm not part of that market. 800-848-9222. What do you think? Would you want this? Have you experienced this? Do you know of anybody that has done this? And if you have a tattoo, would you want somebody saving yours? 800-848-9222. Ray is on Long Island. Hello, Ray. Hey, Big Daddy. How you doing? Uh, good job today on the parade. Thank you. Um, I want to say that uh, my brother came home one day, sat down at the dinner table with the family, with the sun beaming in through the window, and my old man noticed that he had a, a piercing in his ear, and he had a wishbone. And my old man said, hey, lean over. Let me take a look at that. And he yanked it out of his ear, and he started bleeding like a pig. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. Ninety days later, he was in the Marine Corps. All right. Thank you, Ray. Original Rick is in New Jersey. Hello, Original Rick. Yeah, good morning, Frank. Just a quick uh, <clears throat> comment on this uh, tattoo thing. I find it incredibly morbid. I'm sorry. You know, it, it, especially when you just mentioned the full body suit, that's like skinning an animal. I mean, I, I, where does it stop? What if they want to, I love that person ear. I want to have that ear. I mean, where does it stop? If they lifted the ink off of the skin onto like a, a canvas or something, like like Silly Putty used to take the thing of a, a cartoon off, that's one thing. But taking the actual skin, it reminds me, I'm sorry, it reminds me like when the Nazis made lampshades out of people's skins and stuff. It's just, you know, it's, where does it stop? I'm, I'm just surprised that it's even legal to do. Well, it's not in Washington State, but it's legal everywhere else. Um, and th- thank you, Rick. One, I-, I don't think the Nazi comparison is a fair one uh, because, it, it, I mean, it's just not. Two, I get what you mean, but it's a totally different ball game. One is One action is motivated by hate. One is motivated by love and a desire to remember a, a friend or a family member. I um, I don't know. I, I'm not looking to make this illegal. If they can do this in a manner that's sanitary, if they can do this in a manner that's safe, clearly a lot of people want this. I just don't. Do you? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Frank, my perspective on this is, okay, I can understand body painting where the paint on your body, whatever you're painting, lasts like a week. But it, to me, it's an extreme thing to do 
to get a permanent tattoo. Uh, and I remember being at the beach, and I noticed so many uh, of the girls had tattoos. And I looked up on Google, it said like 30% of girls between the ages of 20 and 30 have at least one tattoo in this country. And to me, that is an indication that you're a little bit wild and crazy, uh, you know, uh, and that might carry over to other things, you know, uh, where, uh, I mean, I, I, I jump into waves at a 15 feet height as a swimmer and I wouldn't get a tattoo. So I just wonder where this comes from, that people have that aspect where they're pretty wild and crazy. I mean, I can understand if, if you were in the Navy, you know, you went through extreme conditions and then you want to get a tattoo to commemorate survival. That that I can understand. Yeah, uh, thank you, Joe. You know, it's funny. I used to work with a woman whose mother was uh, suffering from Alzheimer's and she ultimately died. And she said, um, and this is many years ago that we had this conversation, but she said that when her mother was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's and her mother was super religious, she, the first thing her mother wanted to do was get a tattoo. And she got a tattoo of Jesus, I think it was Jesus or the Lord, on her hand, on the upper part of her hand. And she told her daughter that she wanted to, when she didn't remember anything, always remember Jesus and that Jesus was close to her. So I wonder, and I'm going to ask this woman, Lene, I haven't talked to her in 10 years, but now's as good of a time as any to reach out. I'm going to ask Lene if if this was big at the time that her mom passed away, would she have wanted to keep that tattoo? Because that story was very meaningful to their family. I'm just curious if this is something you would want to do. So far, it's not something Matt Blaze wants to do, not something I want to do. And um, so far, those of you that have called, it's not something you want to do. 800-848-9222. Mike is in Queens. Hello, Mike. Hey, Frank. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, that, that song by Alex would be perfect for a new movie with Mel Gibson and Kanye. We could call it Lethal Slap. Bring in, uh, you know, uh, Chris Rock and uh, something else there. But on the tattoos issue and body parts preservation, you've got to go to uh, history and look back. At, if you remember, the Catholic Church used to preserve relics of the saints. And literally, there are, there are cathedrals throughout the world where you have a body part of a saint that's preserved in the altar, that's put somewhere. So there is a history of it. There, there, there is things like this that have happened well, you where know, you have relics of famous people who are preserved. You're, you're right. I, I have always said that I used to really enjoy the tradition of the death mask. Uh, it used to be that when you died, they'd make a mold of your face and preserve it as a death mask. I've said when I die, I would love for a death mask to be made of me. For some reason, I guess the difference in my brain is the the fact that it's a mold versus actual skin. And it's it's risky also. I mean, you think about it. I mean, that's biological material. What happens if the cat starts playing with it? I mean, you know, you, I, well, I, I mean, it to, is in a know, frame or about it and all that. But you know what I mean? It's, it's in a frame and all that. But still, you know, you could still have problems with, with it. What if you lose it? You know? Uh, you know, all these things. Uh, what if people are fighting over it? You know, well, I mean, look, how you would you say, know if it's real or fake? Right. You well, uh, so I guess that's true. Issues. You could, thank you, uh, Mike. You could say that of 
an urn full of ashes as well, or one of these rings made from human remains. You know, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Eddie is in Nassau County. Hello, Eddie. Hey, good morrow, Frank. Howdy. Hey, I'm just getting a kick out of listening to all of this stuff. What are they going to come out with, bird's eye trays with uh, see-through packages with this stuff? (laughs) You, You never know. You never know what's next, Eddie. Well, anyway, you know, apparently with you and Curtis and everything, having your rip-roaring rivalries going on, it reminds me of the old story about Fred Allen and Jack Benny, who used to uh, jibe at each other all the time until they accidentally bumped each other and uh, bumped into each other at the airport, and Benny popped off an Allen, and he says, well, you wouldn't say that if my writers were here. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's very funny, Eddie. Thank you. Hey, uh, we're going to explore the death of John F. Kennedy Jr. in just a minute with uh, Dustin Bass, who has a terrific podcast called The Sons of History. And uh, he's got a new documentary all about the passing of John F. Kennedy Jr. We'll explore it straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank moreno uh we were slated to speak with uh, dustin bass who is an author and the co-host of the sons of history podcast about this documentary about what really happened about the three theories as to what happened with respect to john f kennedy jr's death now there's three basic theories one is that it was an accident two it's that it, it was an assassination Three, it was that it was a suicide. Most people, I think, believe that it was an accident, but there's a substantial amount of people in both of the other camps. So there's this new documentary about it, and I was looking forward to talking with Dustin Bass about it, but according to Kenneth, he is not answering his phone, which is just wonderful when you have a host that is just running on fumes 
and in, in the midst of doing a marathon radio session. But you know what's more annoying? It's that um, it's that. Look, I recognize that this is a tough time to be awake and alert and on the radio if you're not used to it. It's tough for me, and I am used to it. I get it. But what's annoying is that once I book a guest in a certain time slot, then that time slot is now spoken for. Now, I can't put someone else there that day. I have to then look to tomorrow and the next day and next week. So it burns a spot which I don't mind doing for somebody that's interesting, but it burns a spot that I could otherwise earmark for someone else. And if then the person whose spot it is doesn't come through, it really, really screws me up. It really, it's just so wasteful because that's prime radio real estate. Maybe not prime, but it's radio real estate. It's prime in my world that then I now have to deal with reassigning someone. You get what I mean. Maybe these guests should start leaving a deposit. Maybe. Because they don't, idea. not coming on. I like that. They don't come on. Hey, it's a $200 deposit. You'll get it back when after you do your appearance. I like that. That's good. Uh, that's not bad. You know, uh, the I think I meant to mention this in one of the Ask Frank Anything questions the other day about guests that we've wanted to have on. Maybe I did mention. I've lost track of what I intended to mention versus what I did mention. But um, the there was only one guest that I can recall that ever asked me to get paid to come on. And this is going back five or six years. The only guest that I ever remember asking to get paid for an interview was George Lazenby. George Lazenby um, was played by oh, – no, actually, he's not the only guest. There's, there's a couple, but he's probably the most famous George Lazenby um, wanted to get paid. He played James Bond in the picture on Her Majesty's Secret Service. That was the only James Bond film that he was in. He was um, he has the shortest tenure of just about any actor that played James Bond. He played in some other films as well. And um, for whatever reason, he wanted to get paid. You know, he said, come on, but... I don't, obviously, I didn't have the money, but um, but I don't know that I would have paid him if I did have the money. So that's kind of a dangerous precedent. So, uh, all right, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on anything that we have covered thus far. Let me say hello to Mike in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Hey, Frank, how you doing? I'm doing uh, just fine, thank just you. Wanted to... oh, uh, good, to, good to hear. Um Wanted to say first off, uh, my condolences uh, for, for Bernie. Um, and, Thank you. Uh, on the subject of the tattoos, uh, I don't mind it. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be an organ donor. Whatever's good, they can take. Uh, if my tattoo brings somebody comfort, I'll think of it as a comfort transplant. Well, that's a, I think that's certainly a healthy way to look at it. But um, what if there are multiple people that want your tattoos? Uh, Rock, scissors, paper, Frank. (laughs) All right. Not bad, Mike. Not bad. Thank you. 800-848-9222. That's not uh, not bad. Okay. Um, You know what I did want to talk about? So my son is crawling like crazy now. 
right? So he crawls all over the place. And he's starting to crawl up the steps. And now, obviously, that's potentially dangerous because we don't want him to fall. If he crawls up the steps, we don't want him to fall down the steps. So we have a couple of uh, baby gates. And one we put in our kitchen. We have a kitchen that divides. There's an open doorway that goes from there's no door there but there's like a, it's an open doorway it goes from the kitchen to the bar room and there's sort of a it's a different level the bar room so there's a giant step so we put up this this swinging gate that will open for adults and then it stays closed for karma and when he's crawling around we keep it closed so that he can crawl around in the kitchen with no problem and, uh, or, you know, doesn't we don't have to worry about him getting hurt. So we wanted to do the same thing on the steps, at the bottom of the steps, so that we don't have to worry about him crawling up the steps. So Rachel said to me that, can you put this up Saturday? She was already a little annoyed with me, a little annoyed. I want to stress, not very annoyed, but she was a little annoyed with me because Obviously, Thursday, I ended up having to stay late unexpectedly because I did the morning show and I wasn't really able to help look after our son. Friday, same situation. Then come Friday evening, I leave early to go to this charity event in Atlantic City. So by the time I come back Saturday morning, um, she's now had to get up early three days in a row to look after our son on top of working Friday. Thursday and Friday. So Saturday, we had plans with um, some family in Manhattan. And so she said there are two chores that we need to get done before we, um, you know, there are two chores that we need to get done today. And one of them was put a gate up at the uh, steps. So she goes to take a nap on Saturday and I begin putting this gate up at the bottom of the steps so Carmine can't go up the steps. And uh, I put a, I had put up the other gate before, and they're relatively easy to install, even for me, who is not exactly a whiz at installing anything. So I uh, put this gate together at the bottom of the steps, and I think I am going to be greeted f- upon Rachel's waking from her nap as a conquering hero. I think she's going to be thrilled. I'm waiting for a nomination for husband of the year. I'm expecting that when I walk upstairs to uh, take a shower that she'll be throwing rose petals at my feet. I'm expecting she's going to call her eight siblings and all of her friends to tell her she can't believe how lucky she is to be married to someone as considerate, as handsome, and as now handy as I am. I'm thinking that I have scored a lot of goodwill. Well, that could not be further from the truth. (laughs) Rachel emerges from her nap, and she comes down the steps, and she sees that this swinging gate, which is effective at keeping Carmine from... um, walking upstairs the bottom of it the bottom of the gate has sort of a base there's a basically a pole or a rod at the bottom of the base 
which you have to step over to use that step. And she doesn't like it. She said there's no way that we're going to, especially when it's dark or we're tired, there's no way that we're not, one of us is not going to trip on that bottom base. I, I hope I'm using the right term. I think I am. That bottom base when we're carrying Carmine. There's no way. One of us is going to trip. Not going to work there. So she says, all right, try and move it to the bottom. And whatever. We we tried everything. And our staircase has spindles. One side is a wall, solid wall. And the other side is basically these thin, narrow little spindles. And we're not able to use this gate. Rachel then spends the next hour, literally, maybe more than an hour, trying to find another baby gate that meets her specifications. She can't find anything. She's saying to me, what are we going to do? This is not just my problem. This is our problem. We need to figure something out here. And um, she, I then say, well, and she's saying, I've looked now at hundreds of models. None of them will fit our staircase. This cannot be something that nobody has ever experienced before. This has got to be a real problem. And uh, I don't want to screw anything into the wall, but if I have to, I will. But she wants something that's uh, what they call a pressure mount or a tension mount where you can just kind of put it up there. And I said, well, you know, we could put up a gate and take it down when we need it. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. Then I suggest, well, honey, this is opportunity knocking. This is how almost every great invention comes to be. Somebody sees a need for something, assumes there must be a product for it, looks feverishly for that product, and finds that it's not there, and they invent it itself. I think you should use this as an opportunity to invent exactly the kind of gate that you're talking about. This suggestion of mine took an, a mildly frustrated wife and turned her into um, Vladimir Zelensky when the United States refuses to preemptively strike Russia. Frank, what the hell are you doing? This idea, this suggestion was not greeted warmly. Let me put it there. I will spare you the rest of, of the, that day's conversation. Not greeted warmly. And um, it uh, did not work out. So then, you know, it was kind of a various tensions between the two of us all weekend long. And uh, yesterday, for the 10 minutes that I was home and awake, um, she tells me, and she's in a good mood now as of yesterday. She says, I have looked everywhere. There is no gate that will meet our purposes. None. None. And she says, what are we going to do? And I say, I have no idea. I think the only thing we can do is if he's crawling around over by the steps, one of us is going to have to stand beneath him and make sure he doesn't fall. I, I think that's the only thing to do. Otherwise, we're going to have to keep him in his playpen when he's uh, when we're not able to stand behind him. So that's where we are now. This is what we're calling in the Morano household baby gate gate. And that's where we are. 800-848-9222 if you have a thought, a suggestion. 
Or uh, for the many of you that listen to the podcast of this show, you can email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. For those of you, by the way, that don't get to hear this whole show, you should be subscribing to the podcast. It's growing in popularity. It's a very popular podcast. Just search The Other Side of Midnight on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just hit the subscribe button. You'll automatically get this podcast downloaded to your phone. Additionally, if you would leave a five-star um, rating and a nice positive comment on iTunes or a review, that'll help more people discover the podcast. But in addition to the podcast of The Other Side of Midnight, we also have a podcast that's Frank Morano Interviews and More. Now, this includes all sorts of other exclusive content that you don't hear on the other side of Midnight Podcast. So if you think, well, I I went to bed early or whatever the case may be, I didn't get to hear the whole show, I'll just listen to the other side of Midnight content uh, on the podcast, wrong. You're not going to hear the whole thing. So you need to subscribe to both of those podcasts if you want to hear everything. The Other Side of Midnight and Frank Morano interviews and more. So, um, but if you do listen, the case is, whatever the case may be, just email me and you can uh, offer whatever two cents. Although we've done both a pretty exhaustive search uh, and we have not been able to find anything that's a solution to our, our problem. 800-848-9222. My friend Michael is in College Point. Hello, Michael. Yeah, hi. How you doing? Doing great, hi, Michael. Michael. How are you? Haven't spoken in quite a while. I just want to offer my condolences on the passing of Bernie. Well, that's awfully Very nice of you. Day. Thank you, Mike. And I also, most importantly, bravo today, you, John Casamitidis, and your ABC staff for hosting the Columbus Day Parade. You did a marvelous job. I have to tell you how to float and everything. Thank you and bravo. Oh, well, that's and awfully also, nice of you, Mike. Thanks. And also, thank you for helping get the, you know, I wanted to say Tom Galasano. This is like a lifetime achievement for him to be the – he always wanted to be the Grand Marshal. When he ran for governor, we had him in the parade several times. So I just want you to know I really thank you for helping him get and become the, the Grand Marshal. Very crowning achievement in his life. And I, I don't know if his family was there. I'm sure his family was there. So, Mike, thank were, you, were you at the parade or were you just listening on radio or watching on television? No, I was listening on, I was listening on radio. Okay. I wanted and- to go. I was asked to come. But uh, I didn't uh, couldn't make it uh, for health reasons. So, oh. you know. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm know, sorry to hear that, to... Michael. Hey, you I, know, I, I hope to see you soon. No, I hope to see you soon. And I want to tell all the listeners: please get your health checked, make sure everything works, and you know, listen to your family and friends and your doctors. And and I want to tell you, Frank, I am so proud of you. Well, you're very kind, Michael. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, if people don't know, Michael was uh, the former chairman of the Queens County Independence Party. So we go back uh, a ways. You know, speaking of Tom Golisano, I have a, a quick Golisano anecdote that I'll share with you in a minute. But let me first say hello to the Mick in Brooklyn. Hello, the Mick. Good morning, Frank. I morning. really got a solution for this whole situation. I'm ready. And I think... I think uh, I don't know if you're going to go for it, but here, here, you know, you and Rachel. But here's the deal: Have my son sedated? No, we're not going to go for that. <laughs> here's the deal: You put the house up for sale. <laughs> <laughs> you put the house up for sale, and by the time you sell the house, he doesn't need to. He'll be walking up and down the steps, 
So then you back out of the deal and you say, all right, we'll stay here. <laughs> Mick, I think there might be a better chance of us sedating my son now, actually. Um, there is, I, I, I will do anything not to move again. I hate moving. I just hate it under the best of circumstances. And especially with this, this addiction to book collection that I have, I, I don't want to move anything. Uh, I, I never want to move. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on anything we've covered thus far. Uh, we'll continue. I, I'll, I will share with you a quick Tom Golisano anecdote straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is uh, Hang Fire by the Rolling Stones um, from the album Tattoo You. There's some good tattoo songs. I think the best is um, that David Lee Roth song from the movie The uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I think it's just called Tattoo. Oh, no, it's it's, it's Van Halen. It's not specifically David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth did sing it, but... um, it's from Van Halen as a whole. That's a good song. And a fine film, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Now, um, Mike, who called a minute ago, mentioned uh, Tom Golisano. So Tom Golisano was the Grand Marshal of the uh, of the uh, Columbus Day Parade in New York. If you don't know Tom Golisano, he was the owner of the Buffalo Sabres. He was the founder and CEO of Paychecks. He ran for governor of New York three times. I supported him each of those three times. He's somebody that I really admire and really look up to, a self-made billionaire, a brilliant businessman. I volunteered on his um, gubernatorial campaigns. That was one of the first campaigns that I ever worked on. Uh, I got to know him a little bit. Not well. I wish I knew him better. When his last book came out, I I interviewed him for the book. We had a great discussion and a nice off-air discussion as well. And uh, I've been trying to interview him. He just came out with a new book, and I've been trying to interview him to talk about his new book, but I haven't been able to get in touch with him. I reached out to the publisher, reached out to the email address that I have for him. No dice. So I have this book. I just got his book. Spent $19 on it. It's um, I, I haven't started reading it yet, Noel Kander. And it's called The Italian Kid Did It. And um, it looks interesting. It's called uh, The Italian Kid Did It, How I Turned $3,000 into $44 billion and Achieved the American Dream. Now, here's what happened. I'm scheduled to be at the parade yesterday. But what happened yesterday? I left the book home. Additionally, there's a, a nice photo of Tom Galasano and me from 20 years ago that would, have been, would be great to have him sign. So I left that photo home as well. 
you get the sense that sleep deprivation is causing me to be a bit forgetful, right? I think, uh, well, okay. So I decided, I discussed this a little bit yesterday, that I was going to go and purchase another copy of the book yesterday. So not only that, but I had my wife email me a copy of the photo of Tom Golisano and me from 20 years ago. So I purchased the book. I walked to a drugstore where I saw none other than Dominic Carter. That was a true story Dominic Carter told. I saw him. It's really remarkable. So he's just how he is in person like he is on the radio. You'd never believe it. I found that out firsthand. So I had my wife email me this photo. I spent 15 minutes trying to figure out how to how to hook up my phone to this photo kiosk at CVS and I spent $7 each to print two different versions of this photograph. I come back to the radio station to find three different sharpies that would be good for signing both the book and these photographs. So now keep in mind, I, oh, by the way, I found out that my Barnes & Noble membership was no, expired, so I spent another $25 to renew my Barnes & Noble membership. So I bought one copy of the book, which I forgot home. I bought a second copy of the book at Barnes & Noble. I renewed my Barnes & Noble um, membership. I'm now out $74 on two books. And then I spent another basically $23 to print two copies of this photo and bothered my wife in the middle of her workday to email me this photo, which I have home. And sure enough, I go to the parade, and I'm there the whole time. And we're, at, we're in a pretty good position, 59th and 5th. Waiting to find, waiting to see Tom Golisano. I'm going to run up to him. I'll, you know, hope he remembers me. But even if he doesn't, I'm with John Katsimatidis. He's certainly going to know John Katsimatidis. And I waited the whole parade and did not see Tom Golisano. And I said to John, I said, did you see Tom Golisano? He said, no, I think maybe I saw him at the beginning a little bit, but I'm not sure. I say to Angelo Vivolo, who's Mr. Columbus Day Parade, whose organization puts this on. I said, Angelo, did you see Tom Galasano? He says, no, I, I think I may have saw him getting a, to a car at the beginning. So I didn't get to see him, and I knew this would happen. It's Morano's Law. The more effort you go into to get something done, you know it's not going to happen. So I, um, I did not get my book signed. I did not get my photograph signed, and I did not get a radio interview to discuss the book. So that was my day. That being said, I still had a great time at the parade and was great. Glad to be a part of it. All right. Until next hour, your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano.
about it. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. A couple of things. I'm just reading my email here. One of the uh, email newsletters I subscribe to is Robert Reich's uh, newsletter. You know what the subject is? And it just came out. just came out. The Kanye West Paradox. How to treat noxious comment on... Um, excuse me, how to treat noxious content on social media, what the Supreme Court is likely to do, and other options. And the questions it explores are very similar to the questions that we explored in the first hour of this show. So uh, it's very interesting to see Robert Reich uh, posting some of those uh, same questions that we that we posted. Now, uh, it is, by the way, I'm told that I misspoke a couple of minutes ago in the local commentary that only yes, airs that is correct. on WABC in New York, and I mentioned that I'm going to be filling in for the first hour of the Bernie and Sid show, and I said apparently that Lydia Serrani was going to be filling in from 7 to 10 p.m. I think we can probably figure out that I meant 7 to 10 a.m., but for those of you that not only could not figure that out, but we're adjusting your schedules and your calendars accordingly to match my directive of who of when to tune in for whom. I apologize, and I of course meant seven to ten a.m., not seven to ten p.m. My apologies to all of you that took me too literally. Now, um, you know, by the way, today is uh, going to be today's an interesting day for a few reasons. One. It is National Sausage Pizza Day. Also, National. Uh, it, it's also General Pulaski Memorial Day. It's International Day of the Girl Child Day, Native American Day, National Online Bank Day, and National Coming Out Day. So, if you're thinking of coming out today, is a good day to do it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Take advantage of the holiday today. Uh, today is also the birthday of Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates and actress Joan Cusack. So there you have that plan accordingly. And uh, oh, it's my cousin Debbie's birthday as well down in Florida. And Curtis's sister Maria, it's her birthday too. But uh, obviously, uh, for those of us that uh, follow radio, today is the funeral of um, Bernard McGurk. I was at Bernie's wake last night and. Um, it was interesting. A lot of it. A lot of people showed up. Obviously, as you might imagine, uh, Bill O'Reilly was there. I got to give Bill O'Reilly credit. You know, Bill O'Reilly is a big star, one of the biggest stars in the world. I'm sure he's a multimillionaire, sixty times over. He waited in the whole in the same line that the rest of us did to pay his respects to uh, Bernie and his family. He waited just like everybody else and I stood right behind O'Reilly and uh, I heard a lot of the supportive things that he said to the McGurk family waited the whole time just like everybody else didn't expect any special treatment didn't get any special treatment didn't try to cut the line or anything like that but um it was uh, it was great to see such a great turnout for uh Bernie at um at his wake just the one day of uh, of uh, the wake yesterday and uh, today will be the the funeral, so I'm sure it'll be an emotional day. I, when I spoke to Bernie's daughter, I reminded her that I met her at the um, when she came up to see the Jonas Brothers when her father kind of smuggled her in to the conference room at WABC, and she said uh, that she obviously she's a lot bigger now. It was 14 years ago, and she says, "Yeah, that was the best day of my life." <laughs> so uh, it was great to see that they still had such good humor 
And you know what? Uh, I don't know if it's okay for me to mention this. I hope it is. Sorry if it's not. But um, what I did not know until yesterday, and I learned this at the at the wake, is that um, Bernie is going to be a grandparent. His son and his daughter-in-law are expecting a child in February. I mean, you talk about how sad is that, that, uh, you know, he was just a couple of months away from being a grandparent for the first time. So that was uh, that was really sad. That just, you know, made me feel like I was just kicked in the stomach uh, hearing that. I mean, that was just, ugh. So, um, so that's that. Um, take care of yourself. That's the lesson. I mean, I think uh, a lot of these cancers, especially prostate cancer, especially if you have a family history, as Bernie has had, it's uh, really important to make sure you do whatever you can for early detection and preventative health. All right. Um, we're going to go to your calls in just a minute. 800-848-9222. Coming up in about uh, 20 minutes, we're going to do the $1,000 minute, and then we're going to talk with David Krell. David Krell's an interesting guy. He's a historian and a journalist, an author, and a commentator whose book, 1962 Baseball in America in the Time of JFK, it, you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize until a minute ago we had two JFK-themed guests booked today. The guest on JFK Jr.'s death and then this JFK book. Uh, but we're going to talk about baseball and the New York Metropolitans. David essentially believes that New York Met fans should stop whining about being eliminated from the playoffs. I am one of those Met fans that has been whining so I suppose that he's talking to me. Now, Kenneth, have we spoken to David Krell? Is he expecting and ready to be on? Great. Okay. So we're all set uh, in 20 minutes to talk with David Krell. But the last thing I did want to mention is the five, five years ago this month, in October of 2017, the New York Times and the New Yorker published articles alleging that Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein had abused women for decades. Those revelations sparked the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too movement, which exposed the pervasive sexual harassment of women in the workplace, including by men at the highest rungs of the corporate ladder. Now, Weinstein is back in court this week in Los Angeles for his second trial over sex crimes. He was already convicted of rape and criminal sexual assault in New York in 2020. Although, by the way, I hear that case actually has a pretty good shot at getting overturned at the Court of Appeals. I think a lot of people know that his attorney in that case is one of my closest friends. But um, he was already convicted in that case, and he has 21 years left on his prison sentence. But this summer, a New York... uh, So the thing that I want to take note of is it's been essentially five years since this Me Too movement began. And I'm curious, in the five years since October of 2017, what do you think has changed in society? And are we better off for it or worse off for it? 800-848-9222. I'll give you my answer, but I'd rather hear from you. 800-848-9222. Since five years ago, let's look at what's changed. 22 states and Washington, D.C. 
have passed more than 70 workplace anti-harassment bills. Powerful men like R. Kelly, Bill Cosby, Jeffrey Epstein were put behind bars for their crimes. Obviously, Cosby is now free. The movement led to a reckoning far beyond U.S. borders. Over a third of Me Too tweets in its first year were posted in a language that wasn't English. I am curious what you think. What's changed and is it for the better or for the worse? 800-848-9222. All right. Let me say hello to uh, Carolyn in Ohio. Hello, Carolyn. Hi, Frank. How are you? Great. Um, I I have two comments, one on the tattoos. Um, I picked up a book in our library several a long time ago, and um, it was on businessmen in Japan who have their bodies tattooed so that nobody can see them under their business suits. So when they die, it's a, according to this book, it's an old practice to have their skin or their hide tanned, <laughs> and they save the, the the skin because it's a work of art. Well, yeah, that's then, what I mentioned that earlier. The the that's where tattoo preservation was invented was by the Japanese. Okay, well, I missed that part when I got up. You were already past that, I guess. But I just wanted to throw that out there in case you didn't know that. Thank you. Well, I appreciate um, that. Um, also, on JFK Jr., there's a theory now that he's still alive. And I was interested in maybe other people had heard that theory and what they think about well, it. Well, I've heard that theory. That's a theory that's big with the QAnon community. And that's one that I was going to pose to Dustin Bass. Okay. But um, unfortunately, uh, Dustin Bass, it was not available. So we can't really ask him about it. This is what it sounds like, asking Dustin Bass that question. Dustin! Is JFK Jr. still alive? Silence is deafening. There's a reason he won't answer that. 800-848-9222. Bob is in Ohio, a state which is not only the home of the uh, leading tattoo preservation company in the entire country, but I believe is the state that has given us the most presidents. That's true. It has. It has given us the most presidents. However, um, as far as tattoos go, I'm 77 years old. I've never gotten a tattoo because I have very sensitive skin. And I've been told if something feels good on your skin, a tattoo will hurt. I don't want it to hurt. I did date a woman Many years ago, she was 25 years younger than I was when I was in my 50s, but she had a small tattoo on her butt, and I was going to get one on my butt of a girl, but I didn't. All right, and is that girl still alive? Yes, as far as I know. All right, well, you should speak to her about getting her tattoo preserved. Maybe you can get a little souvenir when she passes on, uh, Bob. Thank you. Um So the answer to which state has the most presidents, it honestly depends on how you count. Going by birthplace, Virginia is the winner with eight of its native sons holding the country's highest office. Um, But Ohio also claims eight. So 
all of them were Ohio natives except for William Henry Harrison, who was born in Virginia but then moved to Ohio. So which do you count? So both Virginia and Ohio are claiming William Henry Harrison. Would you ever imagine that that's the president that states are going to feud over? It's like New York and New Jersey feuding over uh, speed cameras. Uh, 800-848-9222. Mike is in Brooklyn. Hello, Mike. Hey, good morning, Frank. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I got a solution for your son combine with the stairway. Okay. Well, actually, there's three of them. Two, good one, two bad ones and one good one. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Okay, the first one is, remember, kids bounce. You don't have to worry about it. This is good for his future. When he comes home for after he's 21, legally able to drink, he'll be able to bounce down those stairs with no problems. <laughs> okay, all right. That's option one. Option yeah, one. What else? Option one. Uh, option two is you get a weight. You get uh, one of those uh, carriage harnesses where the kids can't jump out of the carriage. You put a big weight in the middle of the room. You give him enough rope. He can't go. To, can't get to the stairs. <laughs> Okay, all right, okay. All right, now for the real one. Uh, you said you got a, a wall on one side and, and the spindles on the, on the, the right. handrail side, exactly. right? Right, Okay, uh, take a cardboard, make a template, cut it out so it covers all the two to three spindles, you know, where you get the front, you know, the, so you can, because uh, you're using the, uh, the pressure fitting on, on the gate, right? You mm-hmm. pull the handle down and push it to the side, correct? Right. Okay, you make a template with the with the cardboard, and then get a piece of uh, half inch, three quarter ply, whatever. Uh, cut it so it fits against your handrail uh, handrail side, the spindle side. And then, if you're worried about uh, uh, marking up the spindles or anything, wrap them up with some uh, uh, a little red piece of duct tape to hold it in place, and then just mount the piece of plywood that you cut to the to the template and drill two couple holes so you can zip tie the plastic zip ties or wire tie, you know, the, the zip ties. Mm-hmm. And you spin, you you just snug them right up to the to the spindle. It'll well, hold the plywood in place, and you just open and close the the. the well, that that, that sounds promising, Mick. I think you still have the problem that we have where it's got the base at the bottom of the swinging gate, which is difficult to step over. But I'll uh, I'll look into that. That's actually a better solution than than I think we were exploring. It's not bad. Thank you. Rocco is in Selden. Hello, Rocco. Yeah, Frank, I'd like to mention something about the uh, tattoos. I have uh, four adult children. When my uh, daughters were in their uh, teens and early 20s, I had asked them uh, that, you know, I asked them if you would please not get tattoos, you know, I wouldn't be happy about it. You know, of course, they make their own decisions. But now they're in their late 30s, early 40s, and they're thanking me for being a great father. Now, Frank, in reference, they have no tattoos, so they're thanking me that I was... Oh, nice. Very good. Frank, in reference to yesterday's uh, with the uh, Columbus Day, you were fabulous. You and John, I I, I tell you, I did yard work for I don't know how many hours. First of all, I listened to you the night before. I don't know. I don't know how you were able to not get some 
sleep and uh, still do a fabulous job there. You know, it sounded like uh, I did yard work all day, so the radio was perfect. Listen to the radio, and you felt I felt like I was at the Columbus Day Parade there. You, would they line up to talk to you, all those friends and people? And- well, uh, pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, we were well-positioned so that we would, as we saw somebody passing by, we would just grab them. And uh, we had uh, a portable setup uh, Noam Laden was out there in the streets. He would run up to people and ask them to uh, to chat with us. Or uh, Lydia Serrani was out there in the streets. She would run up to people and uh, and chat with us with a handheld microphone. So we had a very good setup. And uh, it was a testament to the great engineering job that Dan Herschel and uh, Doug Kilzer and our engineering team did as well. Yeah, it, it sounded like your associate who does your your job on weekends, he was screaming a little bit. He was, like, raising his voice. Oh, but you Curtis. Calm. Yeah, I don't Yeah, know. yeah, he did a lot of ranting. That's true. You know, it's funny. I mentioned to John on the air, and I was not joking when I said this. When the WABC float passed our stand, everyone's waving. Everyone's having a good time. Rita Cosby's there. Dick Morris is there. Um, Frank Frank McKay, our Long Island president, is there. Uh, Rita Cosby's longtime companion is there. A uh, bunch of other people are up there on the float. Governor Patterson is there, and obviously Governor Patterson's wife is there. And Governor Patterson is currently married to Curtis's ex-wife. Ha- I-, I swear to you, and I'm not trying to be insulting to anybody, but when Mary sees Curtis ranting and carrying on in the manner that he's carrying on, I could tell, because I I know Mary a long time, she just gives Curtis a look and rolls her eyes as if to say, thank God I'm not married to this person anymore. It really, it was a very great display of body language. Frank, my wife said the same thing when she heard Curtis's loud screaming. Shut this wow. off, she said. And I had to listen to him shut it off. But then uh, when he was off, I, I said, maybe Frank's on. Sure enough, you were on. And it was you and John were like, what a perfect uh, team. And this is supposed to be Italian Heritage Month. Oh, good. Right? Well, maybe we'll do this every day. We'll have a parade every day. Well, I'm. No, I'm just saying it. And thank you for telling me Lydia's coming on. She's fabulous. Yes, and again, adjust your schedule. It's not going to be 7 to 10 p.m. It's going to be 7 to 10 a.m., so be prepared for that. Thank you, Rocco. Um, Maybe we'll do some more of these parades if this is a whole month of Italian Heritage Month. Not in schools because we we don't want any concerns about safety or inclusivity. Hey, you know what we do want? Oh, by the way. So apparently the guy that won yesterday on the $1,000 Minute, he had just played like three weeks ago, and they're not giving him his prize because he cheated, essentially. He, he was not supposed to be on this quickly. So um, clarify for us, Kenneth and Matt, what exactly are the rules in terms of the criteria for the $1,000 Minute? If you've played and you've gotten a consolation prize, how long are you on the shelf? All right, all right, so here's the rule. I had to look up the rules to make sure. Mm-hmm. So the rule is if you've played, if you've gotten more than three prizes from the station within 30 days. 30 days. You are not eligible. Three prizes. Three prizes. So And he, that guy got three prizes? No, he had no. only gotten one. He had played once um, about a month ago. So it was a little under a month. So we had first said to him, well, because we asked him, have you played? And he said, yeah, a few months ago. It wasn't a few months ago. It was less than a month ago, which is why I looked up the rules and found out 
No, he was still eligible, so he will get his prize. Oh, he will? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, Because he got I know there were a lot of nine, emails back and forth. So he got nine questions right, and uh, under the rules, eight or nine questions does get the $100 okay. gift card. So we actually still, Matt, we still, I, didn't, I never mentioned this to you, but last night or whenever he sent this email, Jake is apparently saying that we can't give him the prize per the records because he played whatever he did on the 26th. And that he needs to wait 30 days, 30 days before accepting another prize. But then I replied to him that you and I, Matt, read the rules, and it says three or more prizes within that span. Right, well, you can't play. I, okay, so we got to clarify re- this. I didn't realize. I don't want to air all this out publicly, but um, I will just. I I only meant brought this up to tell you, if you've played within the last 30 days, don't call in. We don't want to do that. Now, uh, as far as the Me Too movement goes. I have to tell you, I'm glad that a lot of creepy guys and a lot of women, a lot of men that were harassing women or assaulting women or raping women, I'm glad that there's been a reckoning for these guys. And we shouldn't have needed a movement for that to happen. Okay? Uh, That being said, I really think that the Me Too movement has gone way too far in canceling men whose actions were unjustly lumped in with people like Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein. Additionally, I will say that uh, I think the Me Too movement has not only gone too far, but I think it has had a chilling effect on normal male-female Interactions in the workplace. We are now in an era where men are terrified to flirt with women in the workplace. Men are terrified to mildly um, say something kind to a woman, uh, uh, like you look nice in the workplace. And I've seen it firsthand. And what's more is that a lot of men are absolutely terrified about being alone with a woman in a professional setting. And I think what that has led to is a number of opportunities that women have lost out upon because they don't get to have men as mentors that would be in a position to to help them do things. I'll tell you, in my own case, I used to um, make sure that every intern that we had, I would take them to lunch or for a drink if they were old enough to drink, and kind of chart out a path for their career that I thought would be helpful to them. I will tell you, I will not do that with a female intern now. Well, we don't really have interns, but I would not do that with a female intern now because you don't know what that person's going to say. You don't know what that person's going to misconstrue. And think of what a worse place we're in now because of that. Uh, So I think that the Me Too movement, while it may have resulted in some bad people getting um, getting what's coming to them, I think overall it has been a negative in society. I think it has had a chilling effect on normal, normal, normal social social relations between people. I also think it has led to a lot of false accusations of sexual harassment. 
um, be, and a lot of a misunderstanding of what sexual harassment is. Because, look, what Harvey Weinstein was convicted of doing, what Jeffrey Epstein was was poised to be convicted of doing, that's reprehensible conduct. What Cosby was initially convicted of doing, horrible, horrible things. But uh, I really think that it has gone too far and it's led to a lot of men really being put through the ringer needlessly. So that's my my take on where the Me Too movement has led us in all candor. Uh, so if you want to comment, you can. 800-848-9222. You're also welcome to uh, join our Facebook group. Just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. And then um, you can also uh, just like our Facebook page. You can read that article about the tattoo preservation movement that I uh, that I shared. Uh, that's at Facebook.com slash Morano Fan. All right. We're going to give you an opportunity to be to play the thousand dollar minute reminder. If you have played within the last 30 days, give it a break. Don't don't participate. Uh, Give someone else a chance. And uh, if you are the seventh caller to 800-848-9222 and you think you can answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, go ahead and call right now. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Meet the Mets. And uh, obviously a song that just puts you in the mood for listening to Mets baseball or going to a Met game. We're going to talk about uh, baseball and the playoffs and where we're going from here. And if the Mets fans are whining unnecessarily with David Krell in just a minute. But first, we're going to give one lucky person an opportunity to win some money as part of... The Other Side of Midnight presents It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Dennis in Union. Hello there, Dennis. Uh, how are you, Dennis? Good, thanks. How are you? Great, great, Dennis. Are you familiar with the game? 
All right. So I don't need to re-explain the rules to you. No. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. What traditional activity do children engage in on Halloween? What alcoholic beverage is made from grapes? Wine. What horror movie villain invades the dreams of people that live on Elm Street? Freddy Krueger. What infant? What infinite number is often estimate, estimated at three point one four? Can you repeat that? What infinite number is often estimated as three point one four? Three point one four. What number? Yes, it's uh, it's they they say three point one four is an estimate for this number. Mm, is it a single digit number? No, it's an infinite number. It goes on forever. Oh, Googleplex. No, I'm sorry. It's uh, pi. Pi is uh, is three point one four as an estimate. Uh, sorry, Dennis. Thank you. You know who would have gotten that? Henry in Manhattan. He led the campaign for a national pie day. Even the New York Sun did an article about him uh, at one time uh, pushing for that. That's how I first met Henry in Manhattan. I had him on my uh, public access television show years ago. And then he, I think, engaged in some Me Too-ish style behavior. We didn't have him back again. But um, uh, someone who I don't think has yet been canceled as a result of the Me Too movement or anything else is uh, David Krell, who is a journalist, author, and commentator whose book, 1962, Baseball and America in the Time of JFK, is just a terrific book if you're interested in 20th century American history, if you're interested in JFK, if you're interested in baseball, or specifically the New York Mets. David, it's great to talk with you again. How have you been? I've been good, Frank. How are you? Well, I was absolutely sick over the New York Metropolitans first getting swept by the Atlanta Braves before the season ended, and then secondly, uh, getting defeated by a team that is their lesser, the San Diego Padres. And I don't think I'm alone among Mets fans. Why are we, why is that short-sighted? I think it's short-sighted because this has been an amazing year. And I, not to put too fine a point on it, but I, I think this is the culture we live in, that if you don't win everything, then it's a loss. Then the entire season was a loss. The entire 162 games, nothing mattered. I, I mean, this is a season where Keith Hernandez got acknowledged with his uniform number being retired. Tom Seaver got a statue, finally. Uh, we had Old Timers Day for the first time in uh, almost 30 years. And if you listen to the broadcasts, those were stellar events behind the scenes. The, the Coens did an amazing job at running this seamlessly first class all the way. 101 games, we've only uh, broken the 100-game barrier four times. And this is the second highest win total in the team's history. So I see this as the start of something big, not the end of just one season. Let's look at this as the Cohen era and 
Maybe we'll get Aaron Judge. Maybe they'll sign more players in the offseason. I think this is the beginning of a, a real golden era for the Mets. Well, you know, I, I almost feel bad um, being so disappointed in the Mets after listening to you say all that because that is that is really interesting and really important. However, the fact that you point out that this is the second best winning total the Mets have ever had in their history, it really does sort of underscore what a bummer it was that they lost to the Padres at home after losing the division to the Braves. Why is the the fact that in those two series, the Mets fell well short of their potential, why is that not a fair thing to be disappointed about? You can, you can be disappointed, but I hear the word collapse a lot in the past two days, and I just think that's unfair. Remember, DeGrom was out for a majority of the season, Scherzer for some of the season, Guillaume missed probably 15, 20 games. Uh, Starling Marte missed at least 10 games uh, because of injuries. So when you have your star players who are not able to play and you're still winning because DeGrom didn't come in until much later and people were amazed that on July 4th, the Mets were still steamrolling. So to have that kind of performance um, I, I think deserves a lot of credit, and and this whole uh, you know the 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 dramatic uh, scribes that are taking place on Twitter. The you know my God, I can't go to work today. I'm crying. I'm this. I'm that. I, I mean, I, I think this is generational because these people who are saying this on Twitter seem to be Generation Z, Millennials. I'm Generation X. I'm 55. I remember when Tom Seaver was traded. That was a down point in the Mets history. You want to talk about dark days, 1977 to to 82. Not exactly fun to be a Mets fan, but being a fan doesn't mean it's fun all the time. You have to stay with your team. Well, that's uh, that's certainly fair, and it sounds like you're pretty optimistic for next year. Absolutely. One aspect of the Mets season, which was which was pretty um, noteworthy, and I'm curious to get your take on it, is what um, what was your opinion of the Mets' decision to retire Willie Mays' number? Oh gosh, Frank, that is so fraught with controversy because either way, uh, someone's going to criticize. I think this was an honor for Mrs. Payson. Really, because, uh, you know, Mrs. Payson, Joan Payson, was the first owner of the Mets, and Willie Mays was her favorite player when she was a part owner of the Giants. So the Giants moved to San Francisco. Uh, She does not want that to happen. She's overruled, outvoted, and then she becomes the owner of the Mets. They engineer the trade for Willie. Now, did Willie, Willie was at the end of his career in 1972. He comes in May of 1972, and then he retires at the end of 73. Um, I think it's an honor for New York baseball history. I think it was noteworthy. Would I have done it if I had the magic wand? I I don't know. Um, Now, couple that with the rotunda, which honors New York baseball history, not the Mets, that's another story because I think that mural of the Dodgers and, and, and the Giants and all, all of that stuff that's on the walls, um, 
that deserves to be full of Mets moments from the past 60 years. Mm. Jackie Robinson was a, an amazing player. He's an American icon, no doubt. The Rotunda is named after him. But you, if, you, if you didn't know anything about baseball, you would think you're at Dodger Stadium. Right. I remember that was one of the criticisms of City Field early on, is that it was a, a, a living testimonial to the Brooklyn Dodgers, and it didn't do enough to highlight Mets history. But I don't know. I was under the impression that they did met it up a little bit, but you still think it's too Dodgery. Uh, absolutely. Look, they, they could do this very quietly in the offseason. Don't make a fuss about it. Don't announce it. Just do it, and you can have a statue of Jackie, a bust, a big plaque, something to further honor him beyond the uh, beyond the naming of the rotunda. But, I mean, we have Tom Seaver and John Matlack and Dave Kingman and Felix Mion and Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry and Keith Hernandez. We have 60 years of moments. And I'll say one other thing about uh, the, the criticism of the Mets that's coming from Yankee fans, that the, kid, the, the Mets are still the kid brother. They're still looked at as the kid brother. Well, I have news for Yankee fans. They ought to read some baseball history, those who are criticizing the Mets and putting that label on, because the Yankees came into existence as the Highlanders in 1903. The Dodgers and Giants date back to 1883. The Dodgers date back to the National League in 1890. So the Yankees were once a kid brother, too. Mm. <laughs> great observation. Absolutely great observation. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, David Krell. He is uh, the author of the book 1962 Baseball in America in the Time of JFK. David, if people haven't heard our previous conversation, what's that What's that book all about? Half baseball, half history, an iconic year, uh, the Mets' first year of existence, the Colt 45s, later the Astros' first year of existence. In my opinion, both owners belong in the Hall of Fame, Roy Hoffheins and, <clears throat> excuse me, Roy Hoffheins and Joan Payson. And uh, NASA had a huge year. John Glenn orbits the Earth. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis, fantastic year for movies. You had How the West Was Won, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. You had Lolita. You had a, an amazing, iconic year for movies. And I, I tried to weave it all together to show that Base, this, was, this was when baseball was the national pastime, Frank. This is when baseball was a national sport. I don't think it is much anymore, and a lot of that is because of football and television and so forth. Um, and no one had ever done it. So I chart the year January through December and take the reader through uh, to give a taste of what life was like in baseball and American pop culture. Uh, let me go back in time to um, 1961, where Roger Maris right. broke that home run record. Very controversial at the time, and for 30 years it had an asterisk with it. Um, people were celebrating Aaron Judge surpassing that Roger Maris American League record as if he had broken the entire right. home run record. When, in actuality, even with the taint of the steroids uh, by Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa... He didn't uh, break the record. He broke the American League record, right. but uh, people were carrying on and celebrating as if he had broken the Major League record. Do you think that um, that celebration, that commemoration was a little premature? Uh, I don't know about premature or overdone is another word I've heard, but I think there's something in the culture now that's crying for clean. Uh, we're, we read in the papers every day or online every day about corruption and th this this was just an emotional reaction. Nothing would have made 
baseball powers happier than to have a clean home run record, that if Aaron Judge hit 74 to break Bonds' record, uh, that the steroid era would be erased. So I, I think that's what it is. It was just an emotional response. And it's also the Yankees. So anything involving New York, a Yankee, Aaron Judge is very likable. Um, I, look, I hope the Mets sign him in, in the offseason. Well, so same here. Same here, obviously. But it was um, – I read one study that said that it's not just the steroids. It has to do with the balls, uh, that the balls have been juiced on and off – uh, for the last, um, you know, the last 15, 20 years, right. and that had the balls continued to be juiced, if Aaron Judge hit the exact same balls, some of these balls that were fly balls or doubles, they actually might have been home runs, and that if they used the juiced balls, uh, all other things being equal, Aaron Judge could have had as many as 81 home runs. You put any stock in that uh, in that study? I don't know enough about the science of how the balls are made to make that determination. I'm sure there will be studies done. But they were saying the same thing about Babe Ruth in the 20s, weren't they? That the that Major League Baseball went from a dead ball to a live ball. Well, well that was true, though. They, right. they did do that. But and- it is what it is. What it is. Right. I mean, you're, we, we can slice this so many different ways. You mentioned Maris. Well, Maris broke the record in 162 games. Babe Ruth hit 60 in 154. Uh, Maris did not break in the 154-game schedule. So does he really have the home run record? Well, uh, I, I think it was Commissioner Vincent who said a season's a season. So the equipment's different, ballparks are different. Uh, Sabre has a lot of people who analyze this for fun, uh, statistics, Society for American Baseball Research. So I I would need to see more studies done about the physics of the baseball and, you know, what are the rules on the bats and and the the rules on batters stepping out of the batter's box and things like that. There's so many different permutations to how the game has changed. I, you don't find this in hockey or basketball, but you do find it in baseball quite a bit. Next week, it will be the 60th anniversary of what you mentioned earlier, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. Now, one thing that President Biden said last week, which he was heavily criticized for, but I actually God. think he was somewhat accurate about this. He said that he thinks we're closer to nuclear war now than at any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis. I don't get the sense that the public feels that way. Uh, The impression that I got during the 1962 incident was that Americans, rank-and-file Americans, no matter if they paid close attention to foreign policy or not, they were very concerned about the real possibility of nuclear war. I talk to people um, about it these days. I don't get the sense that Americans are concerned at all. I'm wondering if you can speak to that, David, the difference in how this is weighing or not weighing on the minds of Americans in 1962 versus 2022. Well, 1962, and also I'm a child of the 80s, and this was in the news all the time. There was an ABC TV movie called The Day After with Jason Robards about what happens in a, in a nuclear holocaust, what happens if there's a nuclear war. Uh, sure, in 62, tens of millions of people are watching Kennedy give that speech where he basically says, if the missiles are fired from Cuba, we're retaliating. Biden didn't say that. And we're not at that, we're not at that stage. So I don't know politically why he made that statement. I 
really don't. Now, does he know something we don't? Obviously, he does. But is he trying to scare us into um, that, that he does have control and that he wants uh, he wants to maintain control of the White House going in? He wants to position himself as a strong leader? Maybe, but I, I really don't know what that gains you by talking about it. I, I, I was very puzzled and I, I would say a little disturbed that he would do that. It seemed a little reckless. Well, fair enough. And he's being criticized uh, across the political spectrum for those remarks. It was um, last week, 61 years ago last week, that the uh, Dick Van Dyke show premiered on CBS. My wife and I were just watching some reruns of the uh, Dick Van Dyke show recently. And it seems like... um, uh, Dick Van Dyke's still alive and uh, apparently, uh, you know, still in uh, pretty good shape, even yeah. though he's battling a few different health issues. I think the Dick Van Dyke show holds up as entertainment as well in 2022 as it did in 1961 or 1962. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned Roger Maris. There's an episode where uh, Richie, his son, Rob Petrie's son, asks uh, who has the the most home runs, Who's hit, who has hit the most home runs, and was it Babe Ruth and Ross as well, except for Roger Maris, but he has an asterisk. <laughs> so it was, it was very current, and there, weren't all, there were some 1960s hallmarks of the show. They parodied the Twilight Zone and the British Invasion of Music, but it, there's a timeless quality to it, except for certain hallmarks like that, and the, and the Roger Maris mentioned. They don't really mention what's going on in the news uh, too much. The fashions are pretty, except for, I don't know, Capri pants and Mary Tyler Moore's hairstyle, uh, it's basically the same. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point and uh, still a a terrific show. Uh, a great book, uh, all about 1962. You're working on a new book that's out next year, right? I'm working on a book about 1966. We just went into a copy edit. It's, it's called Do You Believe in Magic? Baseball and America in the Groundbreaking Year of 1966. Wow, that certainly should be uh, should be interesting. And uh, 1966, it's kind of when the, a new era started to begin for the New York Metropolitans, wasn't it? A couple, it took a couple of years more, but um, yeah, 1966, you had Batman, you had the Baltimore Orioles sweeping the World Series. Once Gil Hodges became the manager in the late 60s, that's when things changed, things changed. And I think we had talked about this where uh, in 62, the Mets were referred to as lovable losers. But when Gil Hodges came in and a reporter mentioned that, he said that this is a game. That, you know, we're, we're here to win games. We're professionals. This is there's nothing. This lovable loser stuff has to go. And once he had that kind of sobriety about the game that was, uh, you know, I guess shouted down from upon high. Not that Gil was a shouting type of man, but declared, let's say. Um, yeah, attitudes started to change towards the Mets. And then Tom Seaver comes uh, on the scene, and you know he, he becomes a, a major force in baseball, uh, and they win in 69. Uh, last question, David. You mentioned yes, Gil Hodges. Um, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, people have been campaigning for this for a long time. Yeah. Do you view this as a, a, a wrong being righted after far too long? Yes. I, I, I think it's an oversight that once you get the more you get away from the time that a player played the more that player is forgotten mm. and there needs to be a restructuring of how uh, how these folks are voted in 
Uh, there needs to be uh, an examination of players. Tommy John won 288 games. Wow. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He should be in there just for his surgery. Uh, absolutely. And there, there's talk about that regarding Marvin Miller. Marvin Miller, the great union negotiator who changed the face of how players are compensated. Uh, he is now in the Hall of Fame. Well, I think Dr. Frank Job, who performed the surgery on Tommy John, ought to be in the Hall of Fame. So we might be seeing a new era of non-players, non-managers, non-executives, non-owners hmm. being acknowledged for their input, for their impact on the game. Interesting. All right. Hey, David, it's always a treat to talk with you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right. If you want to um, comment on anything that uh, we've discussed or actually be heard on anything at all, For 15 seconds, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame next. Uh, You can be heard on any subject at all for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, This is a great song by Stevie G and the Bionic Arms. It's available on Spotify or on iTunes. I think it's 99 cents. We're trying to make it a big, uh, big hit, The Other Side of Midnight. Without further ado, it is time for you to be heard. There are one, two open lines at 800-848-9222. And you can comment on anything you want, as long as it's in 15 seconds or less. It is time for... Other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Mike! Morning, Frank. According to Curtis, you're already out, Frank. Will you be coming out again today? And if so, put a sweater on because it's a bit chilly. Oh, uh, Ray in Woodhaven. As for me, I would much rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. David in the Bronx. This program potentially influences the dreams of thousands of Americans, and you end it by talking about ball juicing. <laughs> Rick in Tom's River. Good morning. Well, today's the day. Let's go Yankees, and let's help her in the World Series. Tony in Brooklyn. Hey, Frank, what's going on? Hey, to all you Mets fans, you could come down off of the bridge. That guy you got had on, he definitely was a Yankee hater's. And the Yankees haven't been little brother in a long time. Let's go, Yankees! Peter in Ozone Park. Robert in New Jersey. Hey, Frank. I'm a renegade limo driver in New Jersey. Do you know the only two people on the Baseball Hall of Fame who are not baseball players? Abbott and Costello. Thank you, Robert. Um, All right. That slams the lid on things for now. I will be back on uh, WABC an hour from now to host the first hour of the Bernie and Sid Show. Frank Morano, good day. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 